Hello and welcome to episode number 18 of the Wise Guys Podcast. Today is going to be an awesome episode. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host, Brian Capazello, and one of my favorite people in the world, Romaine Davis. Romaine, many people may not know you for who you are on YouTube, but you are FLB for Love of Basketball. You make some really awesome NBA content. We've been linked thank up. You, thank you. We've been linked up now talking Over about year. content. Yeah. Over a year. January of 2021, maybe? Uh, I met you... A- after my yeah. Rocket video that blew up, right? Yeah, and I met you when I was like 200 subs. And yeah, I think you were at like 800 at the time. Yeah. So, like, and that was, that's was that been a good year. Yeah, that's been a good year now. Yeah, that's crazy. It's been Looking, the growth has been slow because you're like 200 to like 3K. It's not, not crazy. But like genuinely, that's like 10 times your original audience. That's insane for a year. Yeah. That Rocket video did me wonders. Shout out to Rocket fans. Do they love the, the content talking about their That's the video I found you from. And I looked at them like, damn, this is Loki really good at this. So Yeah, I just got to get more consistent with my main channel. You know, I'm editing a little bit for Pick a Side, and I do this podcast. Uh, but speaking of today's episode, real quick, that's what we're here for. We're going to be talking about LeBron James's newest extension, Ranking Eastern contenders, that'll be a lot of fun. Would Giannis leave the Milwaukee Bucks? After his comments, we're going to react to the Christmas Day schedule, which I felt like left some some stuff to be desired. And then we're going to do an 0-3 NBA redraft. A lottery edition or top 10, either or. And then we'll finish it all off with check Top 10 right is after. way too I'm not going to lie. I've been looking at that. Top 10 is way too easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've got a lottery if you guys are down. I don't want to keep it too long. But yeah, that's always a, a fun class. And it's, it's perfect theme. Uh, for today's episode yeah I, I love rocket fans fortunately they only had to deal with the warriors and not lebron james at his peak but speaking of the man lebron james yesterday after being eligible for his extension since august 3rd it's been almost it's been a little bit over two weeks and it's a two-year 97 million dollar deal to stay in los angeles i have a question for both of you guys remain i want to ask you first will lebron win another title in la I'm going to give it um him signing a two-year deal lets me know that there has to be some, like, plan. Palenka or Loic has been able to at least sell him on some type of plan because he's not the type to make decisions that, that aren't, that he can't see the good in in the long run. And right now, obviously, after this contract's over, that's the year he decides to sign anywhere with Bronny. And the Lakers didn't want to, like, there's been reports that the Lakers didn't want to trade that pick because they didn't know what LeBron's future was going to be there. So now that he's there, I think that gives him, like, full authority to, like, make any decision. Because he's not going to be KD and just want to dip out next year because um, he doesn't like it anymore. So I think genuinely they're probably going to make the moves, probably do go after Kyrie. And to be honest, Kyrie, AD, and LeBron on the same team, the supporting cast may not be too crazy, but I'm never putting it past those three. Ky- Kyrie would fit way too better on that Lakers team than Russ did. So right now, I think they definitely have it. I'm going to give it a good 50-50, to be honest. I'm not even going to say, I'm not even going to be any, I'm going to give it a good 50. I think if you get him in a good year where LeBron can go back to that 2020 year where he's like, he's not the focal point on offense anymore. So he can like lock in on defense. He's the main playmaker. And you just have Kyrie and AD just focused on scoring, especially. Oh yeah. I'm definitely getting LeBron as your second best player. I'm definitely getting, I would definitely do that in my life. Brian, what do you think? Cause I, I disagree. Uh, from... No, I mean, I, I was the one, I mean, um, we've talked about it before John on here. Um, you were the one who was saying LeBron, LeBron's not uh, – I think you even gave like a little PSA to Lakers fans. LeBron's not winning another title in L.A. 
And I was on the side where you can't count LeBron. I'm never going to count LeBron out. Um, and, and then you tell me, like I, I said to you, the Lakers, they've got a move in their back pocket somewhere, uh, a move that they're going to pull out. And I'm, I believe, like uh, Romain said, it's going to be Kyrie. They're going to pull that deal off. They're going to somehow get it done. How? I don't know. That pisses me off, though. I mean, we're a big market. Miami is a big market, too. So I, I understand we get the same type of leverage sometimes because that's one reason we able to send LeBron and Chris Bosh at the same time. It's not just because D-Wade was here. But big, t- big market teams like the Lakers and can make horrible freaking mistakes. Like, shit, that should kill your franchise for the next, like, five to ten years. And not nah, just because they're the Lakers and they have their players on their team, they can get out of that like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you saw what happened when they um, when they gave Kobe that big deal uh, towards the end of his uh, career. And then it kind of strapped him when he retired. They, they went through a little rough patch for those couple of years yeah, until but, yeah, but in that, came. In that rough patch, they drafted Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle. And D'Angelo Russell and yep. able to trade every for LeBron and AD and win a championship within the next like five years ever since Kobe signed that contract. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I'll trade I'll trade all of them again for a ring. Like I like <laughs> I'm not bro. If no, I yeah, agree. D'Angelo Russell, if he doesn't win a ring in Minnesota, if Julius Randle ain't winning shit in New York, if New Orleans doesn't win a ring with Brandon Ingram, nobody won that trade other than LA. Yeah, I was on no, pick no, a side that- yet. Oh, sorry. No, the Lakers 100% won, won the deals that they made. Um, but for me, it's with, um, like I said, if you, if you tell me Kyrie, LeBron, and AD are all on the court together, I mean, they're 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 right there as the best team in the West, and my best okay. team in the NBA. They're right there. I mean, like you said, Romain, you got LeBron as your lead playmaker. AD and um, Kyrie are carrying the offensive load, really, the scoring uh the scoring part, and then AD playing high high level defense. I mean, I, I give and then I mean I know the supporting cast has to be solid. It's not. It is solid like, though. It is solid though. I'm not it, it, it is, solid. and that's what I'm saying. I, I mean, there's there, obviously they could use some you know uh, some a little more shooting, but there there's shooters out there that you can find but, for a, a vet minimum level contract. I know what people said last year, but this year there's no reason they shouldn't be a playoff team. There's no reason they shouldn't be. Yeah. Right now, the supporting cast is a lot is a lot younger, and they're way more focused on defense than his offense. And to be honest, even though last year was focused on offense and not defense, the offense still wasn't producing. So at least this year, you have at least a clear direction of what's going to be your focal point as a team, which is definitely going to be defense for them. And right now, whether it's Russ in or Russ out, I still expect them to make the playoffs. I don't expect them to get anywhere out the first round if it's Russ. If it's anybody other, if it's Kyrie though, that. That creates not only way more spacing, but that fast break offense carries a way better finisher around the rim. He's a way better three level scorer. He makes better, far basically. Be- he's basically better everywhere. Right now, yeah. Yeah, right now, right now. I'm not, you know. Oh, yeah, he, Kyrie clears right rebounding. Now. Yeah, he's a be- he's a bet. And I've, yeah, I, who cares? You. That's what I've been saying on this pod. Like <laughs> rebounding from a guard is meaningless. And like, yeah, it's impressive. He can do that to attain a triple double. But for me, what I care about when I'm watching a basketball game is can you win? And quite frankly, what that shows is Russell's limitations as an offensive player coincide with his, you know, his temptation to go for rebounds when they don't overcompensate. That's a good good way to, to word it. Now, here's my thing. With Russell Westbrook on this team, let's say he has not moved in the next few weeks. 
I believe they're a 45-win team flat if they can get 55 games from LeBron and 55 from AD. And the reason why is because last year, it wasn't just the Russell Westbrook trade that caused them to the playoffs. It was the fact they didn't want to play for Frank Vogel. Now you look at them this year, they get a player's coach, a former player that's learned something from each of his stops. And I'm not sure if he was in San Antonio, but then Atlanta with Mike Poonholzer and Milwaukee. And he's well-respected. He already has a title coming in. He's younger. And let's just say how it is. He's one of the toughest dudes, both as a player and as a coach. He's not going to put up with BS. Now, the interesting thing here is, while he doesn't want to deal with BS, he has the biggest load to handle in the NBA, which is Russell Westbrook if he's on the team. You know, you had those two personalities, and I think Darvin Ham can get the buy-in from almost any player as a rookie head coach. But there's one player, if, there, if there's any that would push him to the limit, it would be Russ. Just because through his career, we've never seen him be malleable. He had that one year in Houston where he saw moments of it playing off ball, and he made an impact as a cutter. But outside of that season, where it's partially hampered by injury and COVID, we just haven't seen that from Russ. And that is what's the self-limiting factor on this team. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like He's always the... I'm, ever since... I'm going to give him 26... Ever since 2016, he's been the common denominator of why things don't work. And I'm even part of the group of people that will never, ever sign him for getting a triple-double because with him, his team's winning and him getting a triple-double has always coincided. So I have no problem with that, specifically, especially for a guard like him, that when he gets the rebound, he's off to the races, and that's like a one-man fast break. Or if when you have somebody like LeBron on your team, that's a two-on-one instantly. But, like, right now, that's – you having – you having a triple double also means that you're having control of the ball majority of the time on this team. You shouldn't have the ball more than LeBron at any point in the game, never. So that's the problem with him. And like ever since 2017, I won an MVP, but he was and he was buying him damn self. And if there's one thing the man's been good at in his entire career, fantastic floor raiser, one of the best floor raisers the league's ever seen. Ceiling raiser though, oh. Then with OKC, again, with PG there, PG had his best career year with Russ, which is a lot common for um, a lot of stars to have their best offensive season with Russ on the team, which is shows that he's a pretty good teammate and he's definitely on, a definitely a good playmaker. It just makes some boneheaded decisions sometimes. And then 2018, again, again, production dropped all the way to hell. Uh, 2019, even with, Houston, even with Houston, 2019 to 2020, even with Houston at the time, yeah, he made some adjustments in the game to cut more with James Harden, but that's because they traded away every single freaking big on the roster. Like, you still have to make a gigantic change in philosophy that the league's never seen to incorporate Russ for him to be as good as possible. And at the end of the day, look what LA did. You made the same. That's why I don't understand why they traded for him. You literally won a series by doing the one thing where you just left him open. And you traded for the guy that you literally just left open and literally whooped their ass because that was the thing you did. And I understand he was injured, but he couldn't hit an open shot to save his life. So it's like, it just, re, it, just, it was a boneheaded decision to even sign him in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, it's, they have to sit with this, but the, it pisses me off that they're not going to have to sit with it for much longer. I agree with you on that. It's crazy how that works. But what you just said, you're a goal in there. And that's, that's where I'm wrong about Russell Westbrook, I'll admit. You definitely did not see the video where I completely slandered him because I basically said, you can't win with this guy because he is one, let me think. I agree with you on that one. I don't think he can be a number one on the championship team. Yeah, and when you look at the talent he's had around him, he's played with the best player of his era in LeBron, didn't make the playoffs. Second best in KD, 
top 10 in PG. Kawhi would have been another option, but Kawhi didn't want to play with him because in the last six years, since Kevin Durant left him, last seven years, this dude has won a total of one playoff series. And correlation doesn't always mean causation. That's another thing. Damn, you got beaten by the, a rookie Donovan Mitchell. It's crazy. Those moments are so embarrassing. Especially like Kawhi, PG. Especially with like PG and Melo on the team. That's wild. Yeah, I think Melo didn't really help them in that series. Definitely, he was, he was attacked. Negative, but he was attacked like you know Swiss cheese on that defensive end of the ball. But that, but that being said, part of the reason I'm so hard on him is because he couldn't even get out of the first round as number one. But you said he, he is an, an all-time floor raiser, and I agree. He can take any teams to the playoffs. We just saw Washington. But the ceiling is so low with him as your number one. You feel me? And as number two, he, he's not really that additive force as an offensive player. And defensively, that effort hasn't been there in a long time. And that's what's to so be, frustrating about his to, entire career. To be a coherent number two in the NBA anymore, I think you have to be a reliable three-point shooter. Because as a number one, if you're not a good three-point shooter, but you can handle the ball to a respectable amount and you can put pressure on a defense or work out of the post, like a Giannis, like a LeBron, even though LeBron is a pretty good three-point shooter now, mm-hmm. I think you to, um, if the guy on your team, let's say if you have between two offensive options, the guy that's not the three-point shooter has to be the number one or has to have the ball in his hands majority of the time because if he's not off ball, he can't do much. Yeah. So for the guy like Russ, where he's supposed to be the secondary ball handler and also a secondary scorer, sometimes a third tertiary scorer, like LA found some things that work, like him being in the dunker spot, him being the pick and roll partner with LeBron as a ball handler. It worked, but he doesn't want to do that. He always wants the ball in his hands. It's like this mentality is the shit that holds him back. But overall, as um as an offense, as a player entirely, he I, this I'm not gonna say because with KD, there's so many things that screw with them that they didn't want to chip. Because did I I guarantee you 2012 when Pat was it 2012 when Patrick Beverly ran into his knee? I think it was 2013. Round one, one of those years? the Rockets. Yeah, 2013. The year, after they tra- the year after they traded James Harden. So yeah, 2013. Uh, that was 2013. Yep. Yeah, that year that they were still won 60 games and the Spurs were able to go to the finals, but that's because Russ, again, got injured. And it's like, that's a year that I think they could have won a championship. 2016, they definitely should have beaten the Warriors at that time. Mm-hmm. Katie, got, Katie got the foot injury that one year. Like, there's just so many reasons why that two, that pair didn't win, so I'm not going to ham- um, harp on them too much. But I think that, those were the best years where he could, where he was a good number two. Now at the tail end of his career, when his shooting's never gotten better, his athleticism is only declining, his finishing's only slowly getting worse, and since he can't put that much pressure on the rim, he's forced to make dumb decisions in the pick and roll sometimes that leads to a bunch of turnovers. At this point, he he has to he has to come off the bench. He has to be he has to be the leader of the second unit, and I think he just feels he has way too much pride to do that right now. Mm-hmm. What is he like? Thirty two or thirty three? He's thirty four. Damn. Turning 34 in November. Damn, that generation's gone. That's crazy. That Makes sucks. me feel old. Yeah, that generation's gone, bro. The, those are all the guys I grew up watching. That's crazy. But, um, yeah, as his athleticism slowly declines, even and it's crazy that it's still to this level at this age, but he's really improved and nothing else. I'm not going to say not improved. No, I'm, I'm going to say it. That jumper's gotten worse. That mid yeah. jumper was so good for a couple Free years. Free throw shooting. Yeah, yeah, who talks about that? No. He was an 80 plus percent dropped, free throw guy. Think about the... I mean, he used to be an 80% free throw shooter, and now he can't even get 70%. That's the league's fault. Remember that year when they changed those rules where you can't walk behind the three point line as a routine anymore or anything? 
that fuckers are achieved completely. You, you saw the percentage drop from 80% that year to like 65. Like there's a definite correlation between them forcing the changes of routine. Because after like five to 10 years of doing the same routine over and over again, it's going to screw with you at some point if that just changes randomly throughout like your career. So I understand why the free throw shooting did drop, but there's no reason why that marriage jumper is clanking off the side of the rim. Like I understand that his shooting percentage this year wasn't horrible and he had a relatively um accurate, I'm not gonna say efficient, but accurate shooting year versus other years. That's still not, not enough. That's still not, not enough. Three though. I'm pretty sure he ranked dead last in the in the league at three point percentage uh three point shooting. Yeah. At a certain volume like twenty nine twenty eight percent. Well, Anthony Davis last year would have took that kick, like probably. Use, I see a bunch of people using the stat of, like, oh, the last 10 games of the season, Russ was in his back, he was finally getting comfortable. The last 10 games, bro, the last 10 games, when everybody's resting their best player, come on, the last 10 games, get the fuck out of it. No. no. Throughout the entire year, he the best spot he was shooting from, I think, was the corner. And I can't remember the exact percentage, and I don't want to be wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but he was still, I think, bare, not even either barely league average or still below league average. So, I mean, but we we remember during the season in 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 L.A. in his hometown when he's in the corner shooting a three pointer and the fans are screaming no while he's shooting like come on that's that's not okay now you're showing something's wrong if your own hometown fans are saying no before you take a shot they're saying no Russ don't that's please, another thing pass it that's another thing I understand why L.A. fans feel feel bad that. I don't understand why LA fans hated that they traded for him, right? Because most people didn't ask for this. If anything, I I wanted them to get Buddy Hield and DeRozan because I love LeBron and I would want to see him win. Yeah, they should have got DeRozan. DeRozan and Buddy Hield, or if it was either yeah. one, if you got one of the two or both, it really didn't matter to me. But I understand why they don't they'd want those, but they were kind of like forcing those to be happy because you still got Russ, who was an MVP a couple years ago, you know. But at the same time, it's just like, bro, the fit for this team sucked. You're not gonna get much out of this at all. You just got, <laughs> you just gotta sit with it because there's no, there's so hard to be bad with LeBron on your team. It's so hard to not make the playoffs, of, even with LeBron injured. It's so, it's so hard, and it's even harder when he's dropping thirty a game, and you still find a way to miss the playoffs. Like that's actually insane. Like there was the stat coming out that Le- majority of LeBron's points came in garbage time. But people forget by the end of the second quarter, they're already down by 15. So technically, that's already garbage time. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just want I, – I hope the Lakers are able to pull off the move for Kyrie because uh, NBA is better when LeBron's one of the, uh, one, uh, you know, one of the most prominent players in the league. So, and that, I it want just to ma- back in the playoffs, man. It just maximizes the amount of good teams in the league because Brooklyn, trade, Brooklyn trades KD and Kyrie. Whatever they get back for that, they're still going to be a good team. They're still going to be a good team. Whoever, whatever team gets KD, they're going to be propped up as a high championship contender. Whatever yeah. team gets Kyrie's a higher. It just brings way more parity within the league, and it makes it a lot more fun, especially with like bot with like the Clippers getting John Wall. Nobody knows expect there, but it's still a pretty okay fit. Yeah, no, I like I like that move a lot. Getting John Wall, I think. I mean, he's got obviously coming off those injuries. He's going to have a lot to prove. But I, I really love when he was in his prime. I loved John Wall. Even no, not even. Not, I think last year when he was playing, he was still having like twenty and seven. So it's not you don't. Have yeah, to do no, much but of that. you know he still got it because it was like how many injuries in a row did he have to go through? It was like 
two it was or a, three. I think. It was a good four years he didn't play, right? Yeah, and so like you know, you still got you got to get comfortable. It's like Clay Thompson, you know, he gets the uh, I forget what came first. It was either the ACL or the Achilles. It was the ACL in Game Six, and then the Achilles. And then the Achilles. So like you know, going through like a whole like year or whatever of rehab, practicing, getting back, getting ready, get back into shape, and then you're almost ready to come back, and then you tear your Achilles, and now you got to do it all over again. And then you come back mid-season. It's going to take a while for your body to get comfortable, for you to get comfortable, you know what I mean, to trust your your body. There were fans at the time when he was coming back. People were like, why are people making so much big deal? It's not even letting like the bro. The man is a three-time champion. He's one of the, like, one of the more fun. I never thought I'd, be, I'd have so much fun watching somebody be a catch-and-shooter their entire career. Yeah. But it's just so fun to watch it Clay is. be that. And he had to go, like, as a winner – Watching somebody that you know loves playing the game go through two major, but could have a couple years ago could have been career enders and come back and still be produced the way he did. I would have been happy to watch him too. Yep. I know you're talking to a big Clay Thompson fan. I'm the one who defends him on the show against John. John's a big John. John doesn't really like Clay Thompson that much. I think he's a little bit overrated in a sense. I do think he's a bit overrated, but at the same time, that's a winning. That's what winning does for you, and he's come up in big moments, so I can't be, even be too mad at it. I wouldn't say overrated. I, I just he. He sh- he's done his job to literally the highest possible ability he could. Eh, that's not good there. I, I think, think he's been underrated. I give him underrated because I think he's been disrespected his entire people. Career. People want to talk about Harrison Barnes in 2016. Look at a look at game. Look at a couple of those games from Clay. Trust me, you'll be there's somebody else to be mad at for um throwing that series too. Because even though Steph was injured, I'm talking the only person that I think was playing well in that was Draymond. The only person that was playing well was Draymond. In the, in that finals you're talking about, right? Yeah, there's a three to one one. Trust me, there's a couple. There's a couple situations oh, yeah. you can point to Clay not not performing to the level he's supposed to. But I, I and me and John even had this debate just like I think a week ago. So I mean, but you got to let's say yes, Clay didn't perform the way he was supposed to, but I blame that more on a Steph Curry and put that more on his shoulders. You're the focal point of the team. The team really runs through you and and Clay. So um yeah, like Romain was saying about Clay Thompson not really showing up in that um NBA Finals performance and all, basically everybody on the team not really showing up except for Draymond, like you said. But um for me it was like I I look at more Steph Curry to blame for that because he is the focal point of the team. The team runs through him and Clay, but scoring wise, I mean you know obviously Draymond's a huge important piece in that puzzle, but. Uh, scoring wise it, it runs through those guys they're the splash brothers but it's more Steph Curry obviously because we look at him and he's Golden State he he is the Warriors and we've seen we've seen a lot through Steph Curry's career especially when he broke through you know uh, won the MVP won the finals and, and stuff like that since then we've seen a lot and it it in uh, a lot of fans are in, are endeared by this this is why they like Steph Curry because he's a smaller guy and he talks his trash you know what I mean he's very cocky He's he believes too. in himself, and you got to believe in yourself. You know what I mean? To be one of the best in the world, to be the best in the world, you got to believe it because screw all the haters. But we've seen at times he gets a little lackadaisical, a little overconfident. He starts trying a little too much. I mean, he the perfect example in the waning that, minutes of that game dumbass seven behind in the back Oracle. Pass. And the behind-the-back pass, to, that's not Clay's fault. Clay's standing right there. You know the worst John thing, told you, me that you know the he worst was thing getting is? a lot of double teams that game. You know the, and I told him, well, 
in that moment, was he double teamed on that play? Because there was just go one guy in front of him and he just threw it behind his back for no reason. I in give the, Steph in the one thing. Minutes. I give Steph one thing. Clay was only open for a second, right? If he took the time to actually catch that ball and throw a regular chest pass, that probably wouldn't have gotten to Clay in time. But at the same time, a behind the back pass on the baseline is a dumbass move, especially in, in, in a game. Especially seven. in that moment, in the moment, like in the final minutes of a close game seven. Don't do that. You got to play fundamental basketball. Yeah, at that point, I would just chess play. But another thing with Clay, though, I don't like. I'm gonna be fair here. K's the OD chop is the OG chop, shot chucker. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like he when KD came here, he let it be known. I'm not gonna be the one to take less shots. So yeah, no. So that's the thing about him. Is like whenever he's on, what whenever Clay gets hot, that's the best player in the NBA. Whenever he gets hot, there's nobody that can get hotter except for maybe Curry. He's the only one who can rival. I don't even think Curry gets hot. I think no, no, no. I think I think Curry, in a sense, when he gets hot, he get he gets a little so confident, which is in an ability that he takes certain shots, yeah. and they go in a lot of times, but they do miss and they kind of kill the yeah. momentum a little bit sometimes. Which, but Clay, whenever it's Clay, you're not getting anything crazy from him. He's taking the no. same set high percentage shot. And he always finds a way to get open. And whenever he's hot, then he starts taking the contested ones, which is still in his make. It was still in his repertoire, and it's just hard for hard to like really go. The only time I've seen him take an extremely deep three while hot was against the Lakers that one time. Well, I mean, I nicknamed him. I nicknamed him Mister Fundamentals because this guy is not going to beat himself. You're going to have to beat him, and he's like, the, I mean, you thought the jump shot. It's the same thing every time. It's textbook. So this guy. It, I love me some Clay Thompson. I think even when you look at his uh, accolades with like the uh, all NBA teams, the all defensive teams, the all-star teams, and even getting left off the 75th anniversary team, I think that's all signs point to this guy has been disrespected throughout his entire career. And it's just like, I mean, if we're going to say Scottie Pippen is a top 50 player as a Robin to one of the greatest dynasties of all time, if not the greatest, you can't disrespect Clay Thompson and say he's not one of the top 75 players. But here's the thing, though. Scotty's also has, had a competition as a number one, though. As he a, as a number did. one, I you, give you, that. you win 55 games without – you make it to the – 59. 50, yeah, and you almost make it to – you always make it to the NBA Finals. Lily, it was, what, one layup away from making the NBA Finals. Like, a couple of bad calls, and that shit goes your way, and you have Scotty Pippen in the NBA Finals without Jordan. I don't – you I, 1,000% I don't think you say that about Clay. Yeah, Scotty was a top five player, in my opinion. And if you don't think he was top five, he was right outside the mix. Because like you just said, that Blazers team that he was on was so deep and so rounded. But he was at that stage in his career well out of his prime. Yeah. He was 34 years old. Yeah, Jordan and... Jordan was what? Jordan, I understand why people want to probably, but like there's a reason why that duo was so successful for so long. Scotty had to be another top 10 player. It's like putting LeBron and if eighty, if eighty was as durable as Scotty was, it's like putting LeBron and eighty together since twenty thirteen. That's broken, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's really hard. It's it's hard as hell to look at that duo and look at what Scotty's able to do alone and with Jordan, and not realize that Jordan also had a top ten player in the league on his team at the same time. I'll keep it a buck with you. I feel like Scotty was like a prehistoric Kawhi. No, that's not even, know, that's not a bad that's of, not a bad take at all. That's a pretty he, if anything he was a way better passer than Kawhi. Yeah. I think 
I mean, yeah. I mean, we 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 kind of like lit off into a little bit of tangent because the original topic was the Lakers. But um, oh my god, yeah. One thing I do have to say on on Clay, because I because me and John have this debate about uh, James Harden and Clay Thompson, who we rank higher all time. And I have Clay Thompson ranked higher because of the shortcomings of James Harden. That's crazy. Over, <laughs> it, it, you could call me crazy, but I'll I'll point That's to crazy. all these failed failed moments for James Harden, and then who's the crazy one? Um, but one thing that when I was looking it up after we uh, talked about it, John is all these dip- this disappearing acts. And one thing that fell through my mind that I forgot in 2016 in the first round when it was Houston versus Golden State, Steph Curry was out three of the uh, three of the five games. And Klay Thompson outperformed James Harden offensively, and he was guarding him most of the most of that series defensively and making him struggle. Wait, what series? So this was 2016, the first round. Were they one in five games? Was that the same team? So that, Steph was missed that three the, games. Was that the team that still had Dwight? Yes, that was the trash team where they had Michael Beasley coming off the bench with. I'm not, gonna take anything away from Clay. I'm not gonna take anything away from Clay, but that Golden State team beating that Rockets team, I'm not gonna put a, a lot of stock into that. But I understand where you're coming from in the sense that dude, James Harden, the underperformance jobs in the playoffs is insane. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I like to see transcendent talent in the league. I like to see guys be better than the last. Like, I, it's not like I want James Harden not to be better than Dwayne Wade. Just the fact that he's just not. Like you get not the guy. I don't know if I'm I, I I can't I can't say Clay. James, even if it's regular season alone, like the offense the offensive accolade alone is it's way too extensive. Way too extensive. Like it's hard it's, there's a reason why he's in that conversation with D Wade. Like people consistently have him as the number four. Um uh, this dumb people that try to put I to be honest, right now, I'm gonna say this. If he doesn't Joel and James Harden should win one. Should especially no, especially with the parody in the league right now, they should. That duo is way too good. At least what I think they are. What the the idea of them, what they should be, they should win one. Now if yeah. they don't, no, I understand. What basically, you're if it's James's fault, we gotta reevaluate that and, and to probably start put start instead of having him in that fourth spot, you gotta re- reevaluate and be like, look, he may be just like, you know. A higher producing Bradley Beal here, like put him in that Ray Allen, Reggie Miller conversation yeah. instead of the D Wade Allen Iverson one. But right, you tell me, you put you put a a player of like a Bradley Beal in that D'Antoni offense as the guy. That's crazy. Does he put up similar numbers? No, offensive okay. scoring, yes. But as overall as a playmaker, he's not putting playmaking, up thirty six. Okay, well, I can give you guys you that. are disrespectful. What do you mean? He's not, put, he's, he's, he's not putting up thirty six points. He's not putting up ten assists. Did he put up thirty four the other year? He put up thirty. That was, that was Beal's career high on a trash Wizards team that, that didn't win more than 35 offense, games. You're basically the guy if you're the guy. And you're getting everything That's exactly through. the well, way it was. Up, in, yeah, you put up 30. But that's exactly up how it was in Washington. Scott Brooks would literally just say, all right, Brad, all right, John Wall, you guys do your thing. That, that was their offense. They maybe get a bowl screen them as isolation one-on-one, the same way it was for KD and Russ. And yeah, I'll give, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Him playing with Russ definitely – no, wait, he played with Russ the year before he averaged 30. And but he only played fifty-seven games. That's another thing. He hasn't been durable in the past couple of years either. Oh, but, Brad. Yeah. yeah. But in the, the year he did average thirty-one, he had Russ on his team, so he didn't have to worry about playmaking at all, and he was having the most efficient year of his career. So yeah, never mind. Yeah. And Brad's taking a step up as a playmaker to six and a half, but nah, he ain't climbing to eight, in my opinion. I, mean, I think Brad's cool and all, but he ain't all that. That's I think James Harden has a pretty good division, but I also think he kind of is alright as a playmaker because you know that is. 
uh, eight assists a game, even if they're all threes, even if they're all threes, that equates about 24 points. Cool. Because that's a Houston offense. So 24 points per game, but you're also giving up five turnovers, which could probably lead to a good 20 to 15 points off your turnovers alone. Yeah. And then you go for your defense. Yeah. There's, oh shit. There's plenty of reasons why that Houston Rockets team did not win. And he's a large part of it. Um, a large part of it also is Dan Tony, like forcing James to just either be layups or three pointers, and that not being his play style for the rest of his career. Because before Dan Tony, watching James work in the mid range and get his shot any way he wants, being a, I feel like being a way more complete offensive player would have helped him a lot more, especially with that twenty seven missed three thing. Because they only lost, they I think they lost that game by double digits, but it was because of like the end, the fouling at the end of the game. I think genuinely that game was a single digit loss, and if they made at least two of them. Golden State would have one less final strip. And James I mean, and I think all James right now, people are so are so crazy to put him higher than D Wade. I don't even think the ring is all he needed. Playing well in the finals is all he would need. Yeah. And he I just mean, hasn't clutch, been able to I mean, get clutch that. is not when you talk about Dwayne Wade, he's he's up there with the most clutchest players of all time. Oh my God. Um, but talk I mean, a perfect transition. We're talking about James Harden and we're, our second topic is ranking the uh the Eastern Conference and who's the hierarchy in that in that uh, conference, and I mean, you said if everything goes right, the 76ers should be a world champion in you know let's say the next two to three years, right? Um, for me, I I don't see if you put a gun to my head, I'm gonna tell you they're they're not going to succeed and, and fulfill that uh that destiny that promise. Yeah, or you have a good chance of James surviving. James gonna come up short in the in the in the biggest stages. And you can't tell me if if Joel Embiid's going to be there in, in the in the uh, big games because it's either he's hurt or he's got a freaking stomach bug That's and he's out thing. for some reason. They, so they call AD Street. They 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 call AD Street clothes. Joel is the OG Street clothes. Like yeah, he 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 just he can't. Mm. When you can't stay healthy, John, he hasn't played a full series. He hasn't played <laughs> but, like a full okay, playoff run without missing multiple games in each series. Like I. My fault. Like, this genuinely is... He's played the most games of his career the past year, which is cool. It was still only 68, bro. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I I just see it, and you tell me, I got... The Bucks are are, are a a definite contender. Boston's a definite contender. Boston's number one. I'm putting my Miami Heat as a definite contender. Top four. Um, Now you have Cleveland, Toronto... Those guys are like second, so, third tier uh, for me. I'm I so really pu- don't. If Brooklyn push comes to shove, I'm not picking those guys over the top three, four teams in the yeah. East. To be honest, I, I would have a hard time putting the 76ers right now over Brooklyn if they keep Katie and Kyrie. Because if they keep Katie and Kyrie, saying. they're still a really good With team. Ben Simmons, too. Yeah. I, I have Only, a hard time putting them over him. So. Let me say something real quick about Joel. He is the OG street clothes guy. But... I feel like for his first three years, that was largely a product of Sam Hinkie and the rebuild, where there's like, all right, oh, you, you sprained your finger, you're out. It, I know his leg injuries those years, but that was kind of the philosophy they had. And this last year, he played 68 games, but I think people forget he missed most of November, three weeks because of COVID, and that really messed him up. Oh, right. Now, in the playoffs, yeah. that that was at least 10 games, honestly, that I think he missed. Outside of that, he was pretty healthy into yeah, the postseason. Give, I'm not going to give him too much flack for this full season, because... You can't really do much when one somebody crushes your finger, another one they elbow you in the face. Like that's just crazy freak accident shit. And here's the other but thing: also he was dealing with like two or three other injuries at the time. Yeah, but he was still playing, and before he was not doing that. 
And you but felt that's what I'm impact. saying, though. But you're dealing with those. You're a big man. That man, that's a big man. Okay, there's a height seven one, seven two, maybe like two eighty five. Come on, man. That's a lot of lot of man right there. Okay, and you're playing lengthy seasons. You're playing. You're going into the playoffs, and you're saying you got to make a deep run. Come on, man. Like that. That's 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 a lot to ask for a guy, and he's got to be the vocal point of the offense. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him being able to make it to that point at the end of the season. And then if he's not there and it's just James Harden, <laughs> we've seen James Harden's disappearing acts. It'll happen again. The man and John says that the run. injury explains his Brooklyn years. Well, okay, if that hamstring's still bothering him, which a hamstring is one of the worst injuries you can get because it can come up out of nowhere. It'll just flare up in an instance. One, one play, you're, you're freaking, you know, driving to the rack, doing fine. The next play, you're like, Oh, hold on, coach. Call a timeout. I cannot walk right now. So if that if you're telling me an injury will keep James Harden out, or just James Harden being James Harden in the playoffs, the 76ers are not gonna, they're not going nowhere. I would have preferred them go, making a big splash move and getting a Dame Lillard. I'll give if you get Dame Lillard, I give you a better shot. I'll give I'll give you I'll give James Harden some flack. Those Brooklyn years, well, he got down. Yeah. Yeah, it it was technically two seasons, but I get it. Yeah, it adds up to like just like one full season. But like yeah. the first the second half that he was there for the first time when he got traded there, genuinely, Katie was out so much, he was carrying that roster. So he was playing that many minutes, which was the reason why the injury happened in the first place. And then they made all those second round, and then the return to the next year, again, the injury one wasn't completely healed. Because remember, he also had those quad problems too in Houston. So he came over with those and then the hamstrings. So that's compounding injuries. And then um, the next year, he was playing like 37 minutes. Katie was out. Kyrie wasn't playing. He was The starting line was James Harden, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, like Blake Griffin, and Patty Mills. Like, come on, bro. He was playing a good 37 to 40 minutes a night. So that injury is definitely not healing. So I understand why he wasn't the same he was this year. But I also see I also see where you're coming from in a sense that one, I still don't I I don't think he's the same anymore. He just doesn't seem like he has the same burst that he used to, even with the hamstring injury. And if he proves me wrong, great. Harden stands will vehemently disagree that he will come back the the old James Harden. Um, that was three years ago, bro. Like uh, well, they're talking about 2021 James Harden. That was an MVP race game. 26, 10, and seven. I oh, not forty one percent shooting. Here's the thing, though, is James. James has always had this problem where he's always at some point in the season he's out of shape. He may yeah. end the season in shape, but at some point he's going to be out of shape. So you don't know how well he take care of his body. And as somebody that's getting up there in age, certain injuries don't heal the same way they used to when you're younger. So mm. right now you expect him to come back the same. You probably that you don't know how that injury healed. You don't know how much of his athleticism that probably took from him, and he didn't rely on it. But he needs that burst off that, off that between First the legs of that burst to get to the rim. That's how he gets fouled a lot because people, even though people say he's foul baiting, he was getting fouled a lot. Like he was big and by his defender, they were putting their hand in the cookie jar, and he was taking advantage of that with every single time. So it's like I don't think he has that burst anymore to constantly have that type of effect. So. Nah. I feel like we haven't mentioned the biggest thing in Philadelphia and why they've become a true contender. First off, last year, 
if Joel Embiid were healthy, his face, his finger, and Sajwell, I think they would have. I I think they would have had you all. And no. you look at the offseason they just had. They took one of the best fits in the NBA for your defense that adds a ton of versatility. He had a career year offensively, which I think is a large product of Eric Spolscher and the system he was in, the way he was Yeah, used. but he's also 36. <laughs> but even still, we have to give him credit for whether it was the floaters, the short corner threes, he was yeah. making shots. Yeah, but you just said it. That's a product of that. Even PJ says, like, he's never had a coach ever let, let him be this free offensively. That's not going to be Doc. <laughs> That's not going to be Doc Rivers. I don't and think I'll, you see the I'll same production from PJ in Philly. They made more moves, too, as well. well I want to say something on PJ Tucker real quick especially in the playoffs, right? Where I'm watching with like my most keen eye on like almost every play. I would notice something about PJ. He'd give us one early three-point shot, right? A corner three-point shot in the first quarter. And then it would be nothing else, basically. I'm, I, I, from, I'll, from disagree with I'll disagree with you. He's been, I've, he's hit a couple clutch three-pointers in that, in that playoff run. But I'll give you one thing in the fact that the second half of the year, that three-point percentage was nowhere. Like, he had the best three-point percentage in the first half of the year because he was shooting, I think, like 47%. Second half, it was like 38. Like, at mo- like it was a huge drop-off. And his- it, was just, it was just too many times that I saw him. He would make one and then, like, go basically the, ne- the, the whole game without making another three-point uh, shot. That's a product of the it, game, it too, I think. It was too, it was too, too, too often. No, he had, the, he had the attempts. He had the attempts. Not... He did have the attempts. He was yeah. taking the shots. He was just missing them late later in the game. And they were open. It's not but like they're contested. Yeah, one thing he's giving you on a nightly basis that you know from PJ Tucker is he's giving you intensity. He's gonna fight for every every board he can. He's gonna shoot out of nowhere sometimes, just coming crashing in from the corner and grabbing a re- offensive rebound. And defensively, he's gonna give you everything he's got. Yeah, but I just so, don't know how much you can depend on that night in, night out anymore. And the playoffs, when it matters, that's what Philadelphia needs. You are right about that, Bram, but you just said it. The energy that he spills out, while he may not be making buckets and shots, on the offensive end, that presence, the physicality, and the ability to role play, that is indispensable. For any championship contending team, you need an elite fifth starter. You need a guy that can just plug and play. He's going to be seamless, and he's going to make an immediate impact that kind of rejuvenates his team. Philadelphia is a squad that hasn't not made out of the second round because of Joel Embiid's injuries. It's because they're a soft team that's not athletic. They lack toughness. They lack physicality. And like I just said, they lack speed. Last year, it was one of the slowest teams in the NBA. I feel like I could have run faster than all of their guys outside Tyrese Max. Yeah, Tyrese Max inflated those numbers a little bit. They were probably even slower than that without him. Yeah, without him. I mean, Joel Embiid is maybe their fastest player. That's sad. Now you add in De'Anthony Melton, who's a quick guard. He's volatile. Oh, they did get De'Anthony. I forgot. I love De'Anthony Melton. And and Memphis, Taylor Jenkins didn't fully trust him to give him the keys of the backup guard, and I understand that. I'm big on Tyus Jones. De'Anthony is a guard who can really heat up, and off the bench, he may not have good games, but he is another good defender that can guard guards at a high level, is quick, and can make shots. And I haven't mentioned Daniel House either, who... Hey, look, I think James Harden took that pay cut because Dana this is Houston 2.0. This is Houston 2.0 plus, like, just take Tyrese Maxey, Joel, and then um, Tobias Harris and just put them on the 2015 Houston Rockets at this point. Like, not even that. You basically, Tobias Harris is just basically going to be another <laughs> Trevor Reza at this point. 
And you're yeah. paying Trevor Ariza at 20 mil a year. That's crazy. Or a, a reluctant Ryan Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, nah, that's no, Jordan. Like that's said, that's I, me. I, Yang. No, he's he's I, not I reluctant. Just, I I see it as the uh, the top three teams of the top three teams in Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee, and the rest of the team. And then if I mean, we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. I think it's going to break up. KD is going to go somewhere. Kyrie is going to go to Lakers, so they're not going to be a contender. So it's really for me those top three teams, and then everybody else. Brooklyn's got to make a decision. None of those teams. Huh? Brooklyn's just got to. Brooklyn's just going to make a decision. Like at this point, like you're going to go into the seat. KD's already. Katie's already said, "Hey, yo, you gotta, you gotta fire Steve Nash and Sean Martin and go into the season with them having to coach him. Like, come on, at this point, like you're talking about, you want to have a team to be proud of, even if you somehow win a couple games. This team's way dysfunction, way too dysfunctional to win any championship in the first place. So the whole reason you got these two guys, you're basically just wasting your time at this point. If Jalen Brown is on the table before, I don't know why you didn't take that offer before, which is insane. Um, if Miles Bridges, Cam Johnson, and um, Miles Bridges." Cam, Mikhail. no, Mikel Bridges, um, Cam Johnson, and um, DeAndre Ayton was on the table. I don't know why you didn't take that. I understand why they didn't take the Heat one, because even I wouldn't have taken that one, okay? Yeah. But overall, I just, I, I see the trade packages that could have come from this, and I just don't, I understand you want the biggest package ever, but I just don't know why. When it, go, it goes to, uh, it, I'll answer why. It was Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves literally giving thing. away a King's freaking ransom and breaking the trademark. That's the, that's so the now when you go from Rudy Gobert gets, what, five first-round picks? Basically like seven. Seven and then like three or four players. KD's 10 times, 20 times the player Rudy Gobert is. Well, 20 times. I'll, I'll give you one thing. Rudy, I, I wouldn't say it's all. I think the one that that kind of like, kind of put the nail in for Rudy to hammer it was the DeJounte Murray one because three unprotected picks a couple years ago got you AD. But now that's barely enough to get you um, De- um, DeJounte Murray. So that kind of set the precedent of what it's like now in this trade market. And then you have Danny Ainge coming out like, I want the biggest shit. I want eight picks for Donovan Mitchell. So if I'm Brooklyn, I'm looking at them like five, eight, three. I got this. What's Many people think he's like the second or third best player in the world. Oh, bro, I'm getting half your team for this. But any yep. cha- but it's just they didn't they they didn't take into account every single champ every single championship contender that would want KD right now. They're not gonna blow up half their team for that because there's no point in getting KD at that point. Yep. So you're gonna have to take a less you're gonna have to take a lesser package in a sense. And either, either way, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, I I'd like that duo. Yeah, you're not you're not getting you're not getting. Equal value, equal bit of value for Kevin Durant. It's just not never, it's just not going to happen. The market, That's not how trades work. Every single championship contender is way too set right now for them to make that big of a move. It was a, maybe a last year when you had. If it was last year when certain teams are in a flux of where they want to go, like let's say Russell wants to stay in the Wizards, and then the Wizards are like, all right, then let's put everything in to get KD. Now you have Russ, Bradley Beal, and KD. I can understand if they would make that move right now, but right now there's no team that's willing to like make that type or like has the facilities to make that type of move. Yeah, and real quick, part of the thing, Katie, is if I'm getting half my team, I get a guy who can't lead me. My philosophy is flawed. So if I'm a franchise, I'm not going out to get Katie because I'm lucky to get 55 games out of him. And while there is while there is no player in the NBA that can do what Katie does, he's a tremendous player, and I value that. I respect his game because I've never seen a player like him before. The mid range scoring is incomparable to the to the elite players, all the other ones. And he, the only one that compares is Jordan, to be honest. 
efficiency wise at least yeah i think Kawhi, pg and maybe cp3 d-book his best days and they they still i mean kd's shooting like 56 percent from mid-range it's just unheard of heard we understand <laughs> it's genuinely mind-boggling the man is mvp or shot like 54 percent on straight jumpers like that's actually insane and Both i wish that could be there. efficiency the guy's a two-time 50 40 90 club yeah <laughs> Uh, 50, 40, 90, but how much weight are you putting into that 40, though? With, through, like, three attempts a game. Yeah. I get, I, he was I the best three-point shooter in the 80s. Yeah, I understand the time. I understand the times are different, but it's just really hard for me to put him in those conversations when it's, like, you got guys that are taking eight a game now. <laughs> yeah, Larry's an innovator, but in those seasons, he was taking 1.6 threes. Oh, right now. And his 91. So in 87, he got that three attempts a game. Yep. He was always around that mark, and some of those years he's taken barely one and a half threes. But with KD, if we could just talk about the basketball player, I'd love to do that. But he's, you know, an insecure star that wants to fulfill his legacy, and he feels like there's so much more that he can achieve, can worry that as a player. But like you just hit on, like you just hit on with those emotions being volatile, teams aren't ready to take him on as a, a number two. I feel like the Clippers would have been perfect for him to play with Kawhi, all of their depth, and, you know, an elite top five coach. Trend tr- amazing applause and Tyron. What I would hate, what I hate, good. I hate that you, I hate that you made that suggestion because if I see a Clipper team with Katie and Kawhi, I'm punching a fucking screen. But at the same time, yeah, I it's if he's gonna be a place, he needs to be like a one. He needs to be with a player that you can say he's a one B with mm-hmm. at right now, or at, at least a, a number two. Which is kind of oh. weird to say about KD. But between you not getting enough games from him throughout the entire regular season, his emotions being volatile, you never know when he's going to leave. And to be honest, just just overall, there's some questionable moments of him showing up when his team needs him the most. Because people, I think recency bias in that one game he had against um, Milwaukee that he went crazy in, people hold that to such a high regard. But then you look at the rest of the production over that, um, especially like now against Boston, it's very glaring that one, he's not the same KD he was a couple of years ago. Doesn't have the same run pressure that he used to, doesn't have the same burst that he used to. While his jump shot is pure as pure as pure can be. And he can still get to the rim, he can still finish. It's just whenever the the Eastern Conference and over every single any single Western Conference team that makes the finals is gonna have a competent wing defender. And all the top teams in the East that he would play in like conference finals has multiple top wing defenders that can do this, that can give him as much problem as Boston did. You go against mm-hmm. the Heat, you have somebody like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and whoever the four is, like a Caleb or something that's adept defensively long as Boston was can give him trouble. Um, you go against Boston again, you're gonna run Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, and um, Jalen Brown again. Like you're gonna always run into every single championship team. Like the like, you have to have a, a good defending wing. Golden State has Andrew Wiggins. Memphis has Desmond Bain. Like you're gonna have to need one. He's gonna always have to face those guys. So I just think, yeah, he can't be a focal point anymore, which is crazy to say when I still consider him a top five player in the league. For me, for me with KD and where I don't know where he's going. I don't see the Clippers uh, making that deal. I think Kawhi and Paul George have really formed like a somewhat of a bond, and I think that they're gonna stick it out and uh, play together. 
I just don't know where KD is going to end up. So it's going to, I think it's going to shock all of us where he ends up and what the Nets get for Orlando. Him. I'm done talking about it. We'll see. <laughs> no way. Because uh, when I look at it, he can't at, veto like, it. He can't veto it. That's, I thought he would have a no trade clause, but he can't veto it. So wherever Brooklyn wants to send him, whatever they think is a good package, guess what? Yeah. He's going. Bradley Beal can have a trade clause for his loyalty, but Kevin Durant, I mean, LeBron James can't. Yeah, he could threaten not to play, though, because then we're in the NBA and you're allowed he's to not gonna do that. He's, he's 34, and he he's 34. He understands where his legacy stands at this point. And even if he doesn't win another ring, just racking up the numbers can be enough to push him up in certain all-time rankings. He understands where he's at. He's not going to not play. Yeah, but he's not going to play for Orlando, though. I beg to disagree. He's here to win shit. The whole reason he left Golden State was to win a championship on his own. That Orlando team is nice. Yeah, but you guys are not What are you going to give up? You can give up Cole Anthony, Paolo, Wendell Carter Jr. Like, you're giving up everything for KD if you're Orlando. If, what are we talking about, Orlando? That's just not happening. Get that shit. No, for that. <laughs> I thought you said Orlando. I was joking, though. I'm like, <laughs> I know you were joking, but I was just saying that there's no way he would go to a bad person. So, like, when, when he put out Miami and, and um, uh, Phoenix, that was I was so just nasty. like, so it's going to be hard to make a deal done because you want to play with Kyle Lowry, Jimmy, and Bam, but they'd have to give up two of those players to get you. So that's not going to work. If Phoenix to make the money match, Devin no, Booker, but yeah, to get Max what, what Brooklyn wants, yeah, you'd have, we'd have to include a thirteen. Yeah, exactly, and that's not, and I, I wouldn't even I don't even want KD when the report. I was like, I, I, nah, I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell in my opinion. No, nah, I'd rather have KD. Uh, younger. Higher, higher. We know where KD's at right now. Donovan Mitchell could be a better player in theory. Uh, uh, no, that's uh, insane. That is, that is KD's like top 15. He will KD's become a top better 15. defender. KD's top 15 all time, bro. Yeah, I think you're bugging on that. I he's like Donovan Mitchell. No, I said top 15. 15. Uh, I don't even think that's like the Kevin really? Garnett, Dwayne yeah. Wade range. He's who right you, there. Who do you have over? I mean, the top 10, my top 10 right now. Are we really getting the conference? You know what? Fuck it. What? Jordan, Le- Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Kobe. Then I get into like I get then from around that range to like twelve is iffy as hell. And uh, that and that eleven better than Tim Duncan. Oh uh, no no Timmy's Timmy if anything is right behind Kobe or like seven for me. I'm not gonna lie. Shaq's over him. Him and Larry. Him, I got him me. and I have Larry over him, and that's the I thing. I take Bird over him. I take Bill Russell. Bill Russell. I'll take Bill Russell, I take Bill Russell over him. I Bill Russell is, top six. I don't. I take Curry over him. I don't know if I take Wilt. I don't know if I take Wilt. Wilt was the KD. Wilt was the KD before KD. Consistently number two in the league all the damn time, putting up great numbers, but can never actually get it done. Hakeem is over he, him. I have Hakeem over Wilt. I have Hakeem. Yeah, I have Hakeem over him. Like that. That twelve. That eleven to twelve, or like let's say ten to fifteen range. Is definitely interchangeable because that's where you have that's where you throw in guys like KG, um, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade over him. Jerry West, maybe Oscar Robertson. I'll take Wade over him. Wade I'll, won a championship I'll, on his own. KD never won a championship on his own. Okay, but like you missing the context here. Like KD, the teams KD's faced throughout his career have been far better than that Dallas team. Let's be Listen, real. You here. play who's in front of you. That's I understand. I understand that, but whenever I make all time rankings, I have to take into account the competition you, you play do. against. But you also got to take into account he also blew a 3-1 lead. Yeah. Came up small. He has the lows that certain players do not have, but he also has the highs that certain guys don't have either. Because you, you say what you want about the Golden State team, you're really going to find somebody that drops 35 a game in the NBA Finals. 
bro, put any of the top five players in the league at that time. I understand time, the position the he was same in. Same exact. I understand thing. the position he was in, but you still have to do it, though. You still have to. You. Act- I'm. It's just a testament to the talent that he was able to do it as easily as he, easily as he did. Uh, I mean, you're just taking Harrison Barnes and putting in KD. Twenty-five. Um, I'm gonna say, and that was the greatest team of all time that he created by going there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another thing that made it nasty, bro. You lose, and then you're then the two options of teams that you said you want to go to with the both number one seed. Like, have some shame, dog. <laughs> yeah, there's no, yeah, that doesn't like that doesn't fly well with me. You gotta take that into consideration too. No, I definitely have K. I I think he a little bit, but I I have KD top fifteen. Oh yeah. If anything, if he wins a if he wins a ring, right, whether it's with Brooklyn or a new team, that that could be the thing that maybe gives him a top ten conversation. To be honest, it could, but it won't happen. Because at that point, you're comparing his rings to um, Bird's, Gosh. and let's just Bird had three Hall of Famers on that team. Four when he had Walton. Oh yeah, like a. It wasn't how the Warriors were. Uh, well, the Warriors were, you know, built through the draft. I mean, Dennis Johnson, Dennis Johnson, and Kevin McHale were either. Robert Parrish was, you know, on the tailor end, but like Kevin McHale was at the peak at the time. And a lot of people will tell you, like, if K, if Kevin McHale had his own team, the numbers he probably was putting up would probably been insane, and he probably still would have been able to win too. So it's just him and Bird. Definitely, if he wins a ring where he is like the clear cut number one, and not like a one A or one B like he was with Steph, then I can I see the argument for him over Bird. I think I have Larry over him. The question is between KD and Cara Malone, KD and Jerry West, KD versus KG, KD versus Moses Malone, Julius Irving, David Robinson. Dr. That's the J's a count. tough one because Dr. J is hella underrated. I know Brandon had Dirk, and I'm going to say. No, no. I would have not, KD I'm, any day look, of the week. Look, look, I, love, look, I love Dirk. Dirk got lucky in that. Look, LeBron shut the bed. I know that, yep. but Dirk got yep. hella lucky in that 2011 that that happened. If 2011 didn't happen, Dirk's career would look so much different. So much different. People want to have him in the top 30. I don't think. Uh, but he, he was great for the revolution of the game, but I don't think that many players would adopt that play style if 2011 didn't happen. Because looking at his career before that, 2006, he wet the bed. The next year, wins MVP, then loses in the first round to the Warriors. And the next couple of years, he spends getting spanked by Kobe or Tim Duncan at some point throughout his career. Like, it's... If without 2011 happening, keep 2011 insane run, insane freaking run. I'll give him that. Like even to get, he played healthy teams, teams that were to their full potential before he got to the Heat. He should have gotten mopped by the Heat, but let's not talk about that. But like, if LeBron played up to standard, we'd have a way different conversation about Dirk than we do now. Yeah. Like even in 2000, because even then, he's even without LeBron playing like shit, he wasn't the best player on the court. D Wade was. Yeah. No, D Wade was balling that year. Yeah, if if they we won that year, LeBron would have one would have four five rings, but four Finals MVPs because he was not winning that year. D Wade was having twenty six. Yeah, shout out to LeBron. It's like sad moment. Every single like major moment in like past ten years somehow is tied to him in some fucking way. Oh my bad, my bad. LeBron, <laughs> oh, all good. Don't worry about it. So yeah, it just is somehow it's always tied to him in some way, like some finals appearances. So now we've talked about the Eastern Conference, and uh, we got to the Orlando Magic, and I thought that's where we're going to round off that discussion. 
But speaking of Giannis Antetokounmpo, he is a player where I haven't seen him play well in being in the playoffs. And I'm not ready to quite say that the Bucks clear Philadelphia with their new acquisitions this offseason. Now, he was asked in the last few days whether or not it was out the question of him leaving the Bucks in a few years. Because through his career, he's admitted, I've thought about going other places, even right after winning a championship. He said I could have took the easy route and, and left to go to a place like Dallas or, heck, you know, Brooklyn maybe. That would have been so OP. Or Miami, of course. You guys are both Miami fans. And he, think, he says, I think anybody you ask that question that plays basketball, if he said no, he'd be a liar. It's a team. He, he then talks about the, the Bulls because that's the team he was asked about. It was a team that won multiple championships. It's a team that one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player to ever play this game, played for. So it's no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that's I, ironic. I know about everybody. I know about everybody. Yeah, I think that's ironic because when you look at them in the last 15 years, their biggest origin acquisition is Carlos Boozer, um, you know, after his days in Utah. So I have a hard time necessarily. No, DeMar, DeMar. I'll take them. I'll, I'll I, keep for, a big, I keep forgetting DeMar, man. I, yeah. yeah, I feel like DeMar's a big one than Carlos. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. But before last this last season, I think people viewed DeMar under a really – dim light he wasn't even oh, yeah, top 75 was player on, according to espn yeah the, his career was on the downward trend and then coming to this team was really what revitalized it mm-hmm. and another thing he was having a career career um a career year in, in mvp conversations and then people were talking about like damn if demar wins the mvp imagine what that looked like for lebron's career and i was like how does he make it in this conversation but it's true because people are going to use oh lebron beat an mvp a player that won an mvp threat like Genuinely, this year was just a fever dream for him because I didn't expect this at all. And then Lonzo went down, then Caruso went down, then Zach was dealing with injuries throughout the year. Patrick was down for the entire year. Like that amazing start they had, iron like throughout the second half of the season, it sucked. That and he was still keeping up the same level of play he was before. It's just that overall team just kept falling apart. So they, like at the time, I had the Bulls as the fourth best team in the East. And they dropped off hella because of all the injuries and stuff. And you had the unfortunate um, luck to play the Bucks in the first round <laughs> without Lonzo. So I understand why it probably, it looks as bleak. But I think next year, even though I really felt like I should have traded Woosh this season. But overall, they, they, I, I, that, that was the team I wanted Rudy to go to. Yeah, I, I to- and Bulls fans, I've seen a lot trying to conjure up this idea that the Nikola Vucevic trade was not a loss. They lost that trade so badly. And like, I don't think I get, so, because I don't think Wendell would have developed into the player he is now. I was getting to that. Wendell was not going to be the answer at center because both their history with injuries and their certainly, I mean, their, dude, what's the word I'm looking for? Questionable player development? No, not their, their player development. Their staff are like managing injuries. I'm blanking off the top of my head. Oh, the trainers? Yeah, their training staff is very questionable. Could look at Larry Markinen, who was missing time constantly, goes to Cleveland, plays a, a near full season last year. So I don't think Wendell would have been the answer. But this last year, Wendell was better than Nikola Vucevic, Nikola Vucevic, and Franz Wagner. The yeah, but I like I like Pat Will a lot. But that eighth overall pick, they absolutely nailed, and they still have a 2023 first rounder from Chicago. It's top four protected, maybe it's unprotected. They. I understand the Bulls would not have gotten making the Nikola Vucevic trade was the right move, but they lost it badly because that was a perfect series for him versus Milwaukee, and he 
was a disappearing act outside of game two where he's making shots where, hey, look, those pick and pop jumpers were there for him against Brooke Lopez, and he just wasn't making them. And you brought him here to be the number three so he can make those shots, opening up the game, and adding a layer to the offense that very few offenses can replicate given the big man position. And he didn't do it. And the regular season, too, the jump shot wasn't there. The touch was basically non-existent from three-point land. And defensively, he holds them back, whether or not you want to admit it, because when those guards and Lonzo Caruso and Io aren't just holding them over, he's going to kill you as well. He's not that high-level rim protector. He's barely adequate on that end. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. I was looking at the Bulls team the entire year. That's why I really wanted Rudy on here because, like, even even like the people were talking about um the spacing. The spacing would be a little bit worse. Uh, um, and even if when you get Patrick, well, no, you had to trade Patrick in that trade, so you don't know who was gonna play the four two. So you don't know how bad the spacing was gonna get. But at the same time, just like they weren't getting points off those possessions where Vooch is shooting threes anyway because he was shooting that bad this year. So I don't think that makes that big of a dent in their offense. If anything, it makes it better because Rudy Gobert is. Well, if there's one thing he's good at on offense, he's one of the most elite lob threats in the league. And DeMar DeRozan is a very underrated playmaker. You put an elite lob threat like that with somebody like Lonzo Ball, that's going to look amazing. So I added to the, the layer he adds to any team he goes to defensively while being at least an elite lob threat. And to be honest, Utah was not – whenever he sealed guards in the post, like all he just needed to catch the ball and lay it up, they weren't passing it to him. So at least just giving him that dynamic too would have been a cr- would have been crazy. So I do think that that I, it would have been a bigger upgrade. But I don't think one Chicago is this big free agency destination. I'm sorry, um, people hate those winters. And um, two, Giannis is used to it though. I think Giannis. I think Giannis, with how he's talked about like Milwaukee and the entire league. I don't think he's one of those guys going to stay loyal his entire career. I don't think so. If especially if they're not able to win again within the next three years, or at least the end of this contract. We're like, about to jump into that. Yeah, I just that he's gonna he's gonna leave if they don't end up. I winning. think he I think he wanted I think he just genuinely wanted to have that one where he's just like yeah I stuck you through and I won one with my, and he got very lucky that it did happen with that year. But hey, it happened. You have one, but I don't think he loves Milwaukee the same way like people thought Dirk loved. Um, Dirk loved Dallas, or I'm going to say Kobe. Kobe asked for a trade. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't think he he loves that. I can't even say Tim Duncan because Tim Duncan was about to leave <laughs> the Spurs too. So I, can't, I just don't think he loves that team as much as people would want him to or think he does. But he's just – he's generally – so I think if the opportunity does present itself and, like, things in Milwaukee is just on a downhill trend, you can, I, I definitely see him packing up shit. Now, let me say something about this Bucks team. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't go back to the finals. And the reason why is Chris Milton, I was saying this yesterday in the Pick Aside pod, and Joel and I got into a heated Chris Milton debate. I have Chris Milton right outside the top 30 next to Zion Williamson. I think he is a tremendous talent and an amazing fit next to Giannis. And without him, we saw in the second round, this Bucks offense can be deplorable from the perimeter. And as great as Giannis Antetokounmpo is, as much of a contender as he makes the Bucks, and with him healthy, you have a shot no matter what. He's going to his 10th season. And to expect him to He's continue been, It's been playing, 10 years? Yeah. God this damn. guy's in 13. Still in his late 20s. Wow. He's 20, turning 28. Yeah. Yeah, he came in young, but I'm like, damn, it's been 10 years. That's crazy. And Middleton is 31. 
what I'm getting at here is he is so necessary to the way he initiates their offense. We saw Drew Holiday. He just disappears at times on offense for as good of a perimeter defender as he is. I mean, there are moments where he can't make a fantastic offensive player. He's He's really efficient. In the regular season, he's averaging 19 and 6 on great efficiency. But you'll notice he gets in his head in the playoffs a little bit like Eric Bledsoe for as great a defender as he can be. And you got to keep in mind, this isn't a guy that's going to go and guard KD. He can't. That's why they had PJ on him. He's not going to guard LeBron either. He's only six foot three, And sure, he's he's thick and he can get into guys. He's a great yeah, the top post teams, defender. The top team in the East, there's not really a lot of guards that you have to worry about. It's the forwards you have to worry about. And it's really like Trey. Yeah, he's not guarding those bigger forwards. And so what I'm getting at here is... Without a healthy Chris Middleton, who just re-injured the same knee in the first round of the playoffs as he had earlier in the season, he's now 31 years old. If he regresses to a level where he's not the same Chris Middleton that can drop 40, be a very good defender, a more than capable playmaker, and a pick-and-roll initiator, this vital cog to what makes the Bucks a special, unique team that we all love is going to start to fizzle. Because I don't know how you can replace Chris Middleton if you're consistently picking in the late 20s each year. You're just going to be snagging role players like Marjan Buchamp, and you're lucky if those guys turn into a capable 3 and D wing, you know, with where you're going to be in the draft. It's always going to be 24, maybe 22, 26, 29. And let's say how it is. Milwaukee, and much like Chicago, fucked too. much like Chicago, they're committing so much cap to Giannis and Drew. They're not really going to have the versatility to add big name free agents either. So what is the pathway as Milton regresses and potentially has a, a a peak or just a prime short due to injury if he's not going to be in the picture as a a number two option on championship team you know so if that is gone i don't think the bucks can make it out of the first round with how or at the second round with how deep this eastern conference is the thing is is i don't think we think about players the same i think we think about players the same like it's 2008 again in a sense that the medicine's gone to the point where 31 even though you've had injuries at 31 your prime can extend to about 34. So I don't think Chris will regress to a certain level yet because one, his game doesn't rely too much on his athleticism. It requires a technical skill a lot. And he doesn't provide, he, he already doesn't provide a lot of rim pressure as it is. And he does a lot of his work outside in the pick and roll and outside, out of the post. So I don't really expect a huge drop off from him. But at the same time, in a healthy Eastern Conference, that team wasn't and wouldn't have been enough to make the finals. Like they were one toe away from not making it in the first place. So it's very, it's honestly very, and these have only gotten better since then. So it's very, honestly, even though I think they were, they were a better team last year than they were their championship year. But even with losing PJ. But without, without Brooke Lopez as well, with him missing most of the That's season. That's another thing. He's going to hold up in age there, and there's not a lot of players that can replicate the whole verticality plus at least close yeah. to really efficient three-point shooting. Like, there's just so many. The one, the, yeah, they're getting up in age, and two, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to create a whole new philosophy, to be honest, if they, they have to, if they're um, going to rebuild this team, as, and that may take another two or three years, and you don't know if Giannis is willing to sit through that either because, again, Players like Giannis, you don't know when that prime's going to end. When it relies on athleticism to that extent, even though he's getting a little bit more skillful, and I think throughout his rest of his career, he can consistently beat a 20-point per game score if he works out of the post, even with his, his athleticism declining. Genuinely, the biggest thing that makes Giannis as great as he is is his athleticism, and you don't know when that's going to drop off, especially for somebody at his size. 
So you're going to have to maximize the amount of time you have with them. And I don't think, again, when you're a small market team, it's really hard to do, especially when your player starts to get older. If you're the Lakers or something that could constantly just switch out players because everybody wants to come fucking play for you, that's cool. Not when you're in Milwaukee. Yeah, for me, I mean, I mean, I was pretty tight when Giannis didn't uh, come to Miami when his uh, contract. I didn't, was see, about I didn't to see it up. happening. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see it happening. You didn't see, yeah, I mean, the, no, I, I, I could, I could understand that point. Um, for me, um, uh, it's hard to identify because I agree with bo- both of you guys. You know what I mean? I agree with like the fact that I think the Bucks might be headed in a in a downward trajectory with Chris Middleton aging, coming off another injury, Drew Holiday showing he cannot be the number two guy offensively. Um, That's another If Drew just played his regular season self, they would have made yeah. the conference finals. But, but I, I, and I get that, but like it, it shows you, you know, the player is going to show you who he is. And when he's performing in the regular season and not in the postseason, then he's showing you exactly who he is. Very so, true. Very true. Um, with, with, it's just what would they be able to get? Like, would they package a Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton? You can't do that anymore. They're making way too much money as it is right now, yeah. and they're way too old. Yeah, and who, who like, and, and would you get something comparable? So if you can't get anything comparable to add with Giannis, then Giannis might be on his way out. I could see uh, where he would go. I don't see it being Chicago. I just, I just don't. The, I think it'd be you, Dallas. I think it'd be Dallas. Dallas would be a very. I mean. Look at their history with the European players. You know what I mean? They, they've, they're, they're the place where you go. Um, Giannis is now, really Giannis is the really only, would be. Yeah, he's the only guy that I think would willingly sign with Dallas in a free agency move because again, Dallas and Luca though. Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I. Plays with Jason Kidd, who he liked too. Yep. Oh yeah, Jason Kidd did. Oh yeah, he did coach the Bucks too. Oh yeah, so he's familiar. Giannis with... liked him. Yep. Yeah. Giannis liked him a lot. He liked Jason Kidd a lot. Damn, that that could be a set. Of, that could be a setup for the future. Yep. But yeah, if the Bucks aren't able to retool, yeah, I definitely see him leaving. I I don't think he's as loyal as people. With all the comments he's already made about leaving at some point, with us having a question of if he's going to leave to go to like a Miami or something before already early in his career and. Mm-hmm. Like I gen, it's de- I don't see how it's not a possibility anymore. Like even with players that are that loyal, I still sit here and be like, you, the right situation, you'll leave if the right situation pops up. And with Giannis, there's a lot of right situations where he will leave. Yep. And if we're talking about Chris Middleton's injuries, it definitely won't be Chicago as Zach Levine and that training staff. I wouldn't. If I'm Giannis, I'm not looking at this in the angle of I can fill Michael Jordan's legacy. I'm looking at this in the angle of I can create new history and new lineage. I'm not trying to just be the next MJ, or even though he's not akin to MJ in style in Chicago. I mean, the Bulls I mean, have been. I think that's. I, I, in a way, I think. I think he's okay with that. I think he's okay with being the next. Like, look at the way LeBron did in a sense. Like, when he went to Miami, he wasn't going to have a bigger legacy than Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade is the city. So, and in LA, he wasn't going to. He was an, he's just another big star that played for even though he's the second greatest player of all time like he's just another big star that played for LA. You have Kobe, you have Magic, you have basically the three, you have two to four that played for the Lakers all time, like on an all time list anyway. So Giannis, he, he but the thing that makes him distinct um distinct in a sense is that he has one for Cleveland. 
Giannis has one from Milwaukee right now. Like, you can put a lot of asterisks next to that 2016 one, but you don't. And people can put asterisks next to 2020, but I think as the years goes on, people are going to forget about that. It's just going to be, yeah, he has a freaking ring. So at that point, like, like, I just don't think he'll care that, oh, I'm just going to be the next big star that plays for this team. Like anything, because he's already something unique. Who else is going to win a ring for freaking Milwaukee? Like the only other player there is Kareem. Yeah. I asked this question the other day. Who is the greater buck of all time right Kareem. now? I'm going to be honest, man. Not Kareem. I'm, I get it. Defensive player of the year and multiple MVPs. You have a ring here. Kareem has the same accolades. And I'm not going to lie. It's for a, a little bit longer of a stretch. Now, give it a couple. If he stays with the Bucks, hell yes. I think it's I think it's Giannis because a large part of what makes Kareem legacy was those Lakers years. But right now, I'm still taking Kareem. I have a hard time because Kareem was what made the Bucks franchise what it is. His first five seasons, they won over 55 games. But did he win one of the missed the playoffs? Yeah, he won. Yeah, I'm saying he won 55 games first five years and title with Oscar second season there. He also missed the playoffs his sixth season, winning 37 games, and he was gone after that. Yeah, I think Giannis has already, in terms of legacy, he has fulfilled a little bit more. And we're comparing, you know, I mean, as, time, time, as, as time goes on, people are getting more and more comfortable with moving Kareem out of the top five, which is insane to me. Yeah, he's top three for me. Yeah, he's top three for me, but I can understand why certain people would have magic over him. I don't understand the Kobe stuff. I don't understand Kobe over him, because the highest I have Kobe is like, five or six but i don't understand the kobe over him but i'll give i'll give it i'll give it some thought but um i just with how people are easily moving him out of the top five already just because of how how long ago it was i i i think giving Giannis another couple years at the bucks another maybe couple of deep playoff runs then yeah Especially if he's he wins like another MVP or another Defensive Player of the Year, then yeah. But um, I still gotta take I still gotta take Big Ream for right now. Respect and for me, the way like the go debate should work, it should be the best players in each era coalesce into one. And the reason why some people may not be as high on Kobe is because Duncan, him and Duncan were the two best players. It wasn't like one was over the other. Yeah, in terms of legacy, not, he has a bigger one. Not every Kobe. era or decade is equal though, because the seventies was. Uh, but here's the thing: you have to match up players to their contemporaries. Otherwise, the newest iteration sounds always going to be better than the yeah, previous. Yeah, that's what, but that's what I'm saying. Like the competition for, I'm not saying competition compared to now. I'm saying the competition for Kobe and Kobe's time was a lot better than the competition for Kareem during Kareem's time. Like for sure, at most the biggest competition you had, um, Bill Russell already retired. But biggest competition you had at the time was when you saw Wilt. And Wilt was Bob at the tail. Yeah, but when uh, at the tail end of your at the tail end, it wasn't. Wait, Bob McAdoo was he on the Lakers at the time, or was he still a Clipper? He was in Buffalo. Yeah, he was still a Clipper. Who the hell gives a f- or Brave actually? Make sure. Who cares about oh, Bob McAdoo? Great, still sucky ass team. Um, <laughs> um, the seventies was just full of so much freaking cocaine, and genuinely, some players just were in and out. Just their careers were either cut short because of the drug use. Or just overall, the talent just wasn't there to dominate while Kareem was just that overwhelming force. So he's able to... It's just very hard for me, to be honest. I wouldn't even mind having Magic over him all time. Mm-hmm. Just because of it was such a depleted decade in the 70s, yet you're only able to get one. Yeah, level of competition was much higher. Especially once the... Uh, I would say 1980s and up is where the competition oh, yeah, yeah, really no, no. picked up. 
the you're 80s. Right, you're then you got the influx of Bird and Magic coming in. The 80s wasn't as crazy as the 90s, but I think it's a little bit underrated. The 90s was a bloodbath. The 90s, early 2000s was a bloodbath. There are, in the Western Conference alone, you had Utah, Houston, you have to win 50 Portland, games to be an Los Angeles. Bro. And it's been like that ever since almost. And the West is falling off a little bit now, but like, genuinely, you really? had... The Lakers may not make the playoffs this season. That's how deep the Western Conference. The West is no, top. I think the West, the West is, is back top this heavy. year. I think the West is back this year. But the last couple of years, it's kind of been if iffy. Last but season, this year, it's especially beaker. coming back. It was the West right now is Golden State, Golden State, the Clippers, the Nuggets, Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota is not Memphis. The thing with Memphis, disrespect Minnesota like that. Yes, I'm disrespecting Minnesota like that. Anthony Edwards. I'm not one of the guys that hate Rudy. I understand how good Rudy is. I just don't. I just. How about I want to see how that fits first. I want to see how that fits. I believe in Ant. I don't believe in Cat. He's going to be better than Donovan Mitchell. I don't believe in Deandre Russell or Cat. Cat at the four. Oh yeah, I'm not high on D'Lo, but in the regular season, he's amazing for them as a playmaker. It fits perfectly with Rudy and Cat playing the four. OG Chilltown Hoops made this comparison. It reminds me a lot of Dirk Nowitzki and Tyson Chandler. I think Cat in this stage of his career is on the same level as Dirk at that stage when Dirk was 33 to 32. And look, Rudy Gobert is much better than Tyson Chandler was. I'll give I'll give Minnesota the chance that they could definitely be a top four team in the West, but I just have to see how well I just have to see how they play together before I make a actual. Like, is it not good Chris Finch gives me the benefit of the doubt because he's a player that's worked with Boogie and AD's gotten the most out of them. He was great with Jokic in Denver. That is the exact coach I trust. If their coach was Doc Rivers, yeah, maybe I wouldn't be, I wouldn't believe in this, but Chris Finch has consistently gotten the most out of all of his offenses. His weakness has been his defenses don't get better with him everywhere he went as an assistant. Now with Rudy, you are an automatic top 10 defense. When you just look at Jaden McDaniel still being in the starting lineup. I'm so high on I need to make a video on him because genuine. He was the only player that was um ranked top that was ranked top um I think top 10 in both offense in both um three-point shooting efficiency and defense at the same time. Like that's actually insane for somebody Jayden? that young. Yes, Jaden McDaniels. Like it's Jayden- He wasn't supposed to be a defensive wing stopper when he came into the league. He was a shot chucker. Yeah, his brother wasn't his brother supposed to be better. <laughs> I don't know. Jaden was ranked seventh in his twenty nineteen class. His brother was not in the top. Oh, his brother's sure. older than him. Never mind. Yeah, normally the NBA has this weird thing with the younger brother is always the better one. So yeah. his brother wasn't ranked top one hundred, dude. Yeah, but let me say with Jaden, he shot thirty one percent from three last year, and to start of the season he was pretty bad. He couldn't get to the foul line, but the kid was twenty years old, and in the playoffs he was incredible for minnesota on both he's ends. definitely he was... gonna step in the van the vando role just but he's uh, he yeah stepping the vando role but with extended range i agree and you want to why the vando role i love jared vanderbilt as a player and the energy he brings but that was not repli- replicable you can't mass produce the style he played defensively where you're putting in so much effort and you're exerting so much intensity and force just to be the eighth best defense. And that falls off the 14th when you try to do that throughout an entire season. I wish they the were way, able to keep him because him next to Rudy. I mean, the spacing would have been god awful. But that defense play those would have been, too. Huh? It would be unplayable on offense though. Because Jaden is, or Vando is a those, center on offense. Yeah, I would say if that if that's how you play, if you play those, then the majority of our offense would have to come in transition. But yeah, I can't go there. I, I think 
I think if you play D-Lo, D- uh, never mind. No, it, it'd be different if Rudy or Vando had at least a mid-range jumper. Neither of them even have that. So, yeah, never mind. Yeah, Rudy's. Sh- I see him shoot a couple threes in there. Either air balls or him. I, I the swear to God, if I see him touch a three-point line, I'm benching him immediately. What the hell are you thinking? Start to dry heave. <laughs> but, I will turn off that game immediately if I see him ever take a freaking three. Whatever team gets Vando will be very happy because his rebounding and defensive intensity is unparalleled in almost any game, especially off he? the bench. He's like 25, I think, because he was dealing with so many injuries when he came into the league. Oh, Maybe younger. He's 23. They could yeah, get, yeah, yeah, you're talking probably get some good capital for him, to be honest, especially with how inflated the trade market is already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's just a high end. He's only getting you seven points a game now, so I don't know if you're getting. Yeah, but you're not getting. You're seconds. not getting him for a defense. If any, I'll take him on the Heat any day because I get. Uh, no, never mind. I wouldn't want to play him next to Bam. That would force Bam to start taking threes way too early. So the NBA released its Christmas schedule, and I, I think. Out of all the sports leagues, they do a pretty good job. Bray and I, in our last episode, we're talking about the NFL Thanksgiving schedule and how it's always leaving a ton to be desired. Look at the games. At noon, we got Knicks 76ers. I think that could have been a different New York team that would have been a little bit better. Then at 2.30, Dallas. I would have said Toronto 76ers if that was the case. I'm back again to that in a second. Then at 2.30, we got Dallas against the Lakers. 5 o'clock, Boston versus Milwaukee. That's an amazing game. I, yeah. I love those matches. The, I mean, there's nothing more fun to me, except one. 8 o'clock, we got the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. That's another really good game. And then at 10.30, Denver versus Phoenix. I wanted to see Ben Simmons play in Philadelphia on Christmas Day. I just did. I mean, there's no other way to well, show it. I got, it I got something that I need been to, amazing I Christmas I got present. something I need to get off my chest. Where we, the hell are my Miami Heat? Are you kidding <laughs> me right now? The disrespect Miami gets year in and year out, where they barely get televised nationally. I know Romain told us before uh, uh, we were talking before the show started, and he lives in Miami, so he gets to watch it, you know, on local on his local uh, channels and whatnot. But I'm up here in the East Coast in in Connecticut. I don't get to see my Miami Heat locally, so I need to have these local uh, these national televised games. And for you, I mean, I only have last year. We only have 11. Yeah, I remember last year we were playing Boston. We played Boston, I think, three times a year, I believe. One of the games wasn't even televised. I was like, what the hell is this? For national, I mean, nationally televised. I was like, what? I can't watch my Miami Heat and Boston Celtics, two of the best teams in the East, compete. I just, why are the Knicks? No, no, no. I'll give you one thing. The first time we played again, we, they were not, they were slaughtered. They weren't, yeah, yeah. But later in the season, I mean, yeah. It's just, I don't under I I understand why the Knicks are on there. It's like the Cowboys; they're a big market uh, team and whatever. But it's just like, I don't even think I don't even think that to be honest. I don't even think they're. I think people overstate what New York is right now. I don't even think they're that. Yeah. I don't even think they're a big of a market as people. I mean, they like, sell out every. They sell out all the time. Look, they are the the mecca of basketball. For as much as you want to say about the franchise. I'm right outside New York. When, when you go into the city, I don't know about how much it is Miami because I've only been to Boca. But literally every single corner has a basketball court, and the culture is so strong. It, it reinforces this, the sport there. If the Dolphins were better, it'd be a football town. But it's a basketball town because Miami's been so consistent and so good. But if the Dolphins were a top team, but I mean, aren't they one of the top teams in the NFL? Well, I mean, I mean, to think about it, I don't, I don't know how season. old you are, uh, Romain, and you don't have to say if you don't want to, but. That I, I wasn't alive then. But Dan Marino, it was a football town when Marino was in town. But then it became once Dwayne Wade started taking over and, and towards like the mid to late 90s, the Heat started making a kind of run. But it wasn't until Miami, uh, Wade came to Miami. I didn't think, really... 
it was Wade's championship and then um University of Miami yeah. um winning the title and yeah. then oh, that's yeah. oh, what really oh my god that was Udonis two thousands my oh where did Udonis go to school it was at Florida it was yeah it was U I think it was U yeah yeah okay yeah but um those those Miami I'm no yeah the Miami Hurricane teams were that was with like Ed Reed um Joakim Noah. Oh, we're talking two different sports. The, those oh, Miami football thought, teams, I, those they had teams were stacked up. they had Ray Lewis and then Ed Reed. They had Vince Wilfork in there and Frank Gore. Those teams was, were insane. Oh no, no, no! But UM, UM at random times just normally just take over for some like basketball. They had basketball at the time. They had what Al Horford, Joakim Noah, Corey Jeff Green on that team. So there's Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer, uh, yeah. And then you have um, you, yeah. Then you have UM, um, who's always who's always just random times is all um always great in football too it's genuine they also sometimes do take over baseball a little bit well you know we're not gonna talk about that um because i don't think any of us really watch baseball that heavy no i'm not even casual i don't even watch i'm not yeah, even no i don't watch either the the christmas day games for uh nba this year the i don't have a problem with it. i like the matchups i mean one thing i would i would like to see the clippers on there but i understand why they weren't um, but the one thing is just Miami Heat. I mean, every team here was a playoff team last year. Lakers, Except no. for the, uh, the, the Lakers. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Lakers and the Knicks. The Lakers, I'll give them a pass because it's LeBron and AD and it's La La Town. I, I get that. Yeah, if New, if New York had a big star that they just weren't winning, I don't understand. But it's the fact that the biggest attraction you have is Julius freaking Randle. Yeah, and it's just like – I think you're being I just don't nice understand why hmm? – I think you're being nice to Julius. I think, star? I think Brunson may be a bigger star than him. I mean, right now, because he was the signing, but I'm not going to... Look, Julius had a down year, but it was a down year that he, where he still averaged 20. <laughs> like, I That, give, hold, that held him, no weight. I, it held no weight because they lost everything, but I'm just saying, like, I don't... He's just being the only... One, coming on to a year where one team's already realizing you're the number one option now, so they have to plan for you way more extensively. And then now you being the only really viable offensive option because RJ was pretty inefficient. Last, even though he did take jumps, which is I think he's going to take a superstar jump this year with RJ. But genuinely, he was inefficient. They didn't. Derrick Rose in another lineup. They, Evan Fournier was a big mistake. Kemba was an even bigger one. So overall, he was their only real viable offensive option, and he still he was just wasn't able to produce the level he was before because teams knew how to play him now, and he didn't have another offensive option to take the pressure off. So I think. A little bit of the blame is a little bit too much on him. And Top Thibodeau also sucks. He also tried to use Evan Fournier as Reggie Bullock, which is um, not how you use Evan Fournier. Yeah, Evan Fournier is more of a – he's a great shooter, but he's definitely a scorer more than a set shooter. Yeah. He he can do some stuff off the dribble. Yeah, he definitely is a guy that um is definitely better when you mix in his touches with some on-ball opportunities instead of just using him as a – um, as a um, a dead eye, really. He was the lead perimeter creator in Orlando for a reason. He's a pretty solid one at that. He has he has the number one. He has the most threes in the season for New York right now, ever. Yeah, he was top <laughs> yeah, five. He holds a record year. now. Yeah, he holds a record now. And I think the Knicks are heading in a good direction with Quentin Grimes. And I'm uh, I'm a huge RJ guy. I like Franz Wagner more, but I gotta be honest. Why are the look? I get the Knicks being on. Number one, I want to see the Nets there. I just, I can't stop thinking about that. But secondly, I want to see the Battle of LA. They tried to push that in 2019 when all those Clippers couldn't hold up there in the bargain. 
Yeah, and the Lakers won't. You're saying? No, I said the Clippers didn't hold up their end of the bargain in twenty um in twenty twenty. But look at the last and... two years, Clippers made the put. They didn't make the playoffs. They made the postseason. They made the playoffs. Yeah, but we Lakers got injured. I can't really say much. But like, and then so this the year Clippers. the Clippers, huh? So did the Clips. They made the playoffs. They just got doused by the Suns. But the Clippers entered the playoffs healthy. They were injured throughout there, but they entered the playoffs healthy. The Lakers, AD didn't play half the series, and LeBron was holding his groin the whole time. Like, and they still took Phoenix six games. The Clippers were going to the finals if Kawhi stays healthy. Yeah, they yeah. took the Suns. And they six most games. likely. Yeah, they take they get that ring. They I'm, probably I'm not get that. They, get, Kawhi, they Leonard, get that ring. Yeah, I don't know. Play, Kawhi was starting to play his best bat. I mean, Luca. The way was I in, see, the way I see it, the Phoenix Suns were able to push the Milwaukee Bucks to six. Genuinely, should have been seven. Yeah, but, but Devin Booker played kind of bad in those first couple games. Though he had two back to back forty pieces. So I think and they he didn't play good defense on Giannis. I mean, you, they didn't have the personnel to. They couldn't. But they, but they decide, Monty decided to stick one on one with Aiden instead of trying to build a wall at least. Yeah. Yeah, but you. But the thing is, like Milwaukee was already was already shooting lights out in that series. You build a wall with Giannis. Giannis has already become a better playmaker. Like Chris Middleton was lighting them up that series. I'm not. Go, I didn't expect him to play that well in the finals. I really didn't. But he was already lighting them up. Drew was playing better than he was before. And, like, he was genuinely playing, like, regular season Drew, who was a 40% shooter. Pat Cognitin was hitting everything that touched his hands. Like, genuinely, if you build that wall, you the other guys could be, like, they're shooting that well. Yeah. So I understand why it just didn't work with Phoenix, but it still pushed you to six games. And the Clippers, without Kawhi, was about to dice Phoenix. So, genuinely, if Kawhi was able to make it to that finals, not only do the Clippers have the personnel to build the wall and still scramble the three-point shooters to make it difficult because they have better perimeter defenders, offensive, the offensive push that the Clippers have is bigger than Phoenix. Chris Paul, Chris Paul, great floor general. It's just the overwhelming force of a Kawhi and PG playing at the top of their game because PG, best of the best of PG, is a top 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. You just don't get that top. You just don't get him in top form of yeah. As much as you want to, but he was playing top form. So you get top form Kawhi and PG at the same time. I think that's way too much of a dominant force that year. And I definitely think they would have gotten the ring if Kawhi stay, it was able to stay healthy. But that's the problem. You do the whole load management throughout the entire year to avoid that problem. And then look, the problem still found a way to break his way in. He got injured. Yeah, it was it was kind of a freak accident though. Like it, uh, Joe Ingles just bumped his knee, and it, it just I mean, but yeah, it, it Kawhi's been dealt a really bad hand uh, in terms of injuries because I think if he if he doesn't injuries really get bad injured, hand, but his reputation his reputations should be in the dirt, but people still hold him to such a high standard, and I don't know why. I hold well. I was just about to say I hold him to the highest standard. I think he's the second best player in the league right now. Man, and I'm telling you, Did right you see now, him when he healthy won the last title, postseason. Huh? I I understand when he I understand when he's healthy, but that's the problem. When is he? That's the only time in the past like four years where he has been. That playoff run was the only time, like even in the bubble run, even he was playing with an injury at the time, too, which is part of the he played so bad. But obviously, he also played bad because he played bad. Well, he averaged but, um, twenty nine on forty nine percent shooting right. in the bubble. Yeah, if Wait, Kawhi on, won me... that, if Kawhi won that championship um, against uh, Milwaukee, he would be the if so facto best player in the planet. 
I think people right now I have is just it's hard to rank him all time because the man has a lower career average and less career total than freaking Andrew Wiggins. But then you have years where he's 26 points per game, 27 points per game, 25 points per game, 67 win season at one point with um two with time, the Spurs. Two-time um, defensive when, player of the year. Yeah, how many guys have two year? finals MVPs and two, two finals defensive player of the year? Yeah, it's it's the accolades when he is playing is insane. It's just one, he's been way more injury prone than people would like to admit. Oh, yes. And Again, he's another guy that should have the street clothes label, just like Anthony Davis. That just does that doesn't get it. And in a sense, let's be real here. He's choked in some some pretty big moments. I understand he was young with San Antonio when he missed those free throws that would have sealed that game six if he made them. Um, the next, not next year they won. Yeah. But um, in twenty fifteen, I think who did they play? I know they. I know that was that was the year. They won 67. That was, that was like Tim Duncan. They lost the, the Clippers in the first oh, round in 15. Yeah. They lost to the Clippers. Oh, Ka- right. And Kawhi hadn't taken over yet. Kawhi takes over the team when uh, Lamar- LaMarcus comes in. Yeah. The year he had, he was averaging 25 games. And then he gets, in, and then he gets injured by Zaza Pachucha. By Zaza. By Zaza. Then he takes off that next year. Then he goes yep. to Toronto. Oh, no, he goes to Toronto. Wins the championship. He does the Lord mentioned And this, I hate that. I love Toronto. I'm happy they got it, but I hate that ring so much because they got so lucky in so many ways. But they you played Orlando. You played Orlando in the first round. You mopped the floor with them. Cool. You go against what Milwaukee, I think. Or it's Philadelphia. It second round. It's Philadelphia in the second round. You got the luckiest bounce I've ever seen in my damn life on that jumper. <laughs> the luckiest bounce I've ever. That seen. That silly team was stacked though, and it speaks volumes as to how rounded the that, Raptors were. That's Raptors are top five coach. That's another team that should have won one. No, they're both all round. You have Jimmy Ben Simmons when he was not afraid know, to take a Yeah, not afraid. And you had Joel Embiid, even though Joel played bad. And then you have Fred Van Fleet that was showing out that year, that time. Kyle Lowry that was still pretty. That was still a top ten guard in the game at the time. I think Marcus Siakam Marcus. that was. Yeah, that was le- like oh, Norman Powell, Storm and Norman, and yeah. Danny Green. Yeah, yeah. the both teams was extremely well rounded. But you do got to give Kawhi the the the, well, the, Sixers the credit had no of depth. that he was depth. the guy. Like there was no other superstar or star on that team. He was the guy. Yeah, but then you play the Warriors in the next round, and the Warriors again. Clay was ready to destroy y'all single handedly in that fourth that quarter, and then six. he got injured in that game six. So, and then he got injured. KD played all of eleven minutes, and then popped his ACL again, and it still took you six games to beat that Warriors team. But guess what? So it's like you guess play what? who's in front that's, of you. That's that's the price you pay when you have a top heavy team, and one of your stars goes down, true, another star true, goes true, down. True, guess true, what? True. You are depleted. Yeah, but I think even teams that are very well rounded, even when teams that are very deep. If you lose one or two stars, you're still not going to be anywhere close to the same. I think either, so. I think either way, that was like, the year the uh, Trailblazers ch- had the best shot at making the finals because they're yeah, there's a chance they didn't have KD and they got Steph, Steph. Let it be known that don't ever put me in a conversation with Dame ever again. Yeah. And people still tried to after his 2020 injury, which was ridiculous. But with that like, being said, that... Kawhi averaged 35, 10, and four in that year's finals. And look. People love wait thirty five in the finals. Kawhi averaged thirty. Oh no, sorry, that was the Philadelphia series. I'm looking at the Ron series. Wait, he have damn. He averaged thirty five in that seven game too. That's yeah. Actually, you have Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler on you on different times. You still averaged thirty five. Jimmy that's couldn't guard him. Jimmy cannot guard him in that. And I, I yeah, love Jimmy. Jimmy. I do. They and they're around the same. They're on the same height too. Kawhi's just a lot stronger. 
Kawhi averaged 29-10-4 in the finals. Siakam yeah. gave him 27-10-4. Let me say one thing, and it's relating to, real quick before I move on to the redraft, it's relating to what they call an asterisk. I know people value championships differently based off of their personal opinion, but there is no such thing as such. Outside maybe the bubble because of the yeah, and the circumstances. Historical, historical context, they're just going to look at the amount of championship they have, not the, not the difference in like how they... The only ones that really do have that type of stipulation is 2016 and 2011. You can, like those are just so... They're just iconic enough that people name those as separate championships, but genuinely people are just like, oh yeah, he has one or he has two or he has three. You can... You can do that with LeBron and Dirk's championships, but every single year is an asterisk because in order to win a championship, you need luck. You don't win a championship without luck. It's just impossible. 2011, Dirk does not win without LeBron James choking. In 2012, LeBron and the Miami Heat caught a great break going up against an OKC team. That I'm not going to lie. Golden, Golden State, Golden State. This year, that was the closest thing to a perfect championship I've seen in a minute. Oh, I to agree. Be That's the one year you can't really hold anything. But yeah, they did I guess get locked. They I stayed healthy in the postseason. I understand that you didn't play. The Nuggets just weren't healthy all year. So you can't even say they weren't healthy. They just didn't have the two stars. So, But even then, I don't see them beating them. Memphis was completely healthy. It doesn't the, You play better with, without Jaw than with Jaw. Like, you beat the Warriors by 50 without Jaw. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say uh, how well they would have played even those last two games. And then what? Who did they? You meet a fully healthy Dallas team that you still mop the floor with. You get to Boston, the best defense. People are counting them as the best defensive team in decades. And Steph mopped the floor. Like, genuinely, the closest thing to a perfect ring without an asterisk, I think, in the past decade is that one. That game four performance by Steph, was it? I, wasn't that his stinker? No, no, no. Game three was his stinker. Because I no 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 game four was in Boston. Every game he played in Boston, he played well. It was one every of game the in Boston, greatest well. games I've ever seen in the finals. Yeah, every, yeah. I think the you stinker know, was. No, I I would agree with that point that like the last decade, probably this this year was the one with the least you well, can no, say the, about. The, it. I mean, Milwaukee's championship has an asterisk. Katie, Katie, that foot, that foot, and you. You managed to find a way oh, to play yeah, young yeah. in the conference finals. You can use the asterisk okay. with any run because James Harden, okay. within 30 seconds against the Bucks, has his hamstring go out, Kyrie's yeah. injury, and look, even blew up if knee. KD... <laughs> I thought it was... Oh, no, it was ankle. Yeah, that was bad. If KD just had enough juice, he would have still beat them on his own, but he ran out of it because he was playing 55 minutes, no rest. His only rest was when they were losing, I think it was game six by a decent amount, and Maybe Steve Nash took him out. If he just had a... He just had a uh, uh, one size less of a shoe either would There are so many ex- ex- extenuating circumstances that play into Milwaukee's favor. And then against the Hawks, if Trey Young stayed healthy, I don't think they win that series. So they had a lot yeah, of things you look at them away. when they played the Heat. Yeah, they mopped the floor with us. But that series has been a lot more difficult if, again, we were healthy. Again, we had two months rest going into that season. And then Jimmy and everybody was injured throughout the entire year. Like, generally, that Heat team, that, that Milwaukee Bucks team, was so depleted and so tired at that point. Genuinely, I I didn't see that series going past five, and it ended in four. The Brent Forbes yeah, so Milwaukee's definitely, you can use it. Like, we can go back. Like, Toronto's, you, obviously, KD being out. Um, What, 2018, the Warriors? It's the freaking... 27, 2018, we both know what it is. 2016, Draymond, Bogut, Steph. Um, 2015, Kyrie, Caleb. 2014... D-Wade at the time, actually, because D-Wade, he was not only batshit screwed, 
um, they didn't have to play OKC before they got to the finals. So they got 2013, again, bad shit, freaking bad shit lucky with some of those shots that they hit. San Antonio, Greg Popovich made the worst decision possible, taking Tim Duncan out. Like, generally, like, there's uh, 2012. 2012? Damn. That's, that's actually another one that's probably close to perfect, now that I think about it. I mean, not competition-wise, because there's definitely better competition than the young OKC team, but overall, just playing the best teams, generally, I Probably that's another one that just because 2012 was we played a healthy Boston Celtics team and then LeBron had the greatest game of his career with that 45. I think the series before that, that game one in, performance in 2018 might be over that. I'm not sure. Those two performances mm-mm, were insane. Mm-mm, mm-mm. One ended in, I'm not gonna lie, that's this is where I take the win over. And the thing is, LeBron had to play that full 2018 game one. He didn't have to play the full game. He was dominating that game to a point where Boston gave up before the middle of the third quarter. Like, he genuinely, like, I was watching that game. I, that was one game I got to watch in full, and I felt bad for them. Because yeah. he missed the first two shots of the game, and he still went, he made the 18, out of, no, 17 out of the next 18. I had to replay like, that game. Fadeaways, bump fadeaways, he was just trying pull up shit, jumpers, he was threes, put back, put back dunks. Get to the like. Genuinely, the offensive package was in genuinely insane. Like every single time he made a shot, there was one moment where you just saw Rondo just looked at his hands. It's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like it's gen like that that game is not even the totals. I get forty five isn't the highest, but gen, just the performance is just how you felt watching it. Just let you know that this was probably the best performance of his career. Yeah. The only one that I didn't even hold. I think the fifty-one is the third because that game, two thousand seven against Detroit, I had that as second. Mm, Detroit. Yeah. I, well, all right. Last question for this uh, Christmas Day topic, and then we can move on to the redraft. What game are you guys most looking forward to on the Christmas Day schedule? Bucks Celtics. Bucks Celtics. Bucks Bucks Celtics or Warriors Lakers, depending on how good Warriors the Grizzlies. Lakers Warri- got the da- the Mavericks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, oh right, 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 right. No, the, okay, you never. Yeah, definitely. Because one, Luca, one Christian wouldn't Luca. I would love to see if they're able to mesh well into the Christmas Day game. That's going to be a top team in the league. And then depending on how the Lakers look, and I always just LeBron always decides to show it on Christmas too. So I generally do want to that, see that's that. the game that I was looking at. Lakers uh, Dallas is the is the game I'm most looking forward to. I just want storylines, and I feel like almost none of these. Outside I love the first that they, two they have... included this rivalry week thing because that's genuine. That that looks that genuinely looks nice. Like they they're finding ways to make to just bring in fans, like the average fan, to watch it. Like these are genuinely like great ideas. And having a rivalry week is generally a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some of the teams they picked are technically rivals, but it's a good idea. I do, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, it's one playoff season. I don't know why we have to watch the Hawks and the Knicks every freaking. That's that's <laughs> the sun they're trying to create. It's just, yeah, it's just one series. New York, just, genuinely, New York hates Trey, so I understand why. But like, it's no. Even playing that Trae. game, huh? Didn't even playing that game. He was in even playing that game, and they're still yelling "fuck Trey Young." Yeah. Well, that's their only playoff appearance, probably maybe for any time soon. Uh, now we're gonna move on to our final topic: the 2003 draft redone. Now, I know one of you two is going to want the Miami pick fifth overall. So I'll tell you what. I think, quite honestly, Brad, I think we should. Could he take the same player? I want to give our guest the second overall pick. That way he can get the fifth. Cool with that. Unless the guest wants to take number one, then he's not going to be picking 
number five when Miami's on the board. Oh, wait, I just realized right. Dwayne Wade's not going to be there. He's not going to. Oh. Yeah, Dwayne Wade's That's a lose lose for you, dude. Ah, I'm sorry. No, right now, um, obviously, we all know who the number one is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how we. Number two. I was talking about the order before we jump in. Yeah, it's. um. It was what? What is it? Oh, well, between Cleveland. us, I'm saying the orders: the Cavaliers number one, the Pistons have the second overall pick. You have the Denver Nuggets number three, Toronto four, Miami five, Clippers six, Chicago seven, Milwaukee eight, Knicks nine, Wizards ten, Golden State eleven, Seattle twelve, Memphis thirteen, and Seattle again at number fourteen. Uh, I'm not gonna think about what the freaking Clippers roster was like to see what the fit would have been. So we're just gonna go straight off just the names here because. <laughs> Going off fit for those teams, but like genuinely, it well, LeBron, then D Wade at two. Um, with D Wade in Detroit, damn, I don't know what that would have looked like. Um, because at the time they still had they still had Rick Hamilton, so D Wade, yeah, he would have come off the bench the first, and I don't think he would have gotten the same level of like production as rookie year. So I don't know how his career would have turned out in Detroit. He would have had a ring earlier, that's for sure. Um, then what is it? Um, Denver at three, definitely still taking Melo. Yeah. To be honest, they. I'm not gonna lie. I have Chris Bosh all time over Melo. I I'm not gonna disagree with that because he had so many clutch moments in that 2013 title run. So the block on was it Danny, Danny Green? Green? Yep. And of course the kick out in the fourth quarter. Those two plays. It's not even the clutch moments overall. Is Chris Bosh throughout the prime of his career? The, he was the fourth best power forward in the league. And then you say number four, and like, that's not crazy. It's Tim Duncan, KG, and Dirk ahead of him. How about Powell Gasol? Still, he, was, he was considered better than Powell. I know, it's tough, because Powell is leading a team to like 50 wins in Memphis. Yeah, and Chris Bosh was leading like 40. Toronto was just that bad, but he was leading the 40, 44, 45 plus win, dropping 24 and like, I think, 11 at the time. Great defender, one of the best. Like he genuinely, the only the only pl- um forwards that were ahead of him were all time greats, like top twenty all time players type shit. Like so. Oh, and we talked severe. about Dwayne Wade's career being cut off way too short. Chris Bosh, tragically, I mean, he, before he knew it, one day he's lacing his shoes and his career's done, and he can't play again. At 31. I'm gonna say one, we would have made the playoffs and if he was able to check. healthy the first year without LeBron. And the second year, we should have been in the conference finals at least with him healthy. Yeah. But um I, I would think Chris so. Bosch, I think that, who I mean, Chris that, Anderson two thousand three. Um, Juan Howard or five. James Posey. Was Kenyon was was Kenyon Martin still there? Or was Kenyon no, that was when Kenyon was in New Jersey, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, they definitely no. I'm not no, never the biggest mellow guy. I think he's properly right now. I think they take it's number four. I mean, CB. it's reasonable because I would rather have. Mello. I think mellow drops all the way to four in this one. Then no, he's definitely not lock over T Mac and Dwight. No, 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 no. I'm Some taking Dwight over him. Even to- I'm taking Tony Parker maybe insane. over him too. Like it's it's highly questionable if he was should have been on that top fifth top seventy five People think he's the lock. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think it's close. Vince's career is only like four year. Yeah, no, no, genuine. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Vince has basically the same career accolades as I would. freaking. No, he no, no I'm talking about playoffs, Vince and yeah. Melo. Melo doesn't have that signature game. Honestly, would it? 
Re- didn't Reggie make it? And Vince's it? influence gets him in. Would I take Reggie over Melo? I don't think I would. You know, Melo has a good couple. Melo, I think, I think it's because it was against Joy. I think it's against Jordan. And since Re- didn't didn't Reggie make a finals? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think since Reggie made a finals, it put. I think people, but generally, I think they have the same amount of moments because. Those early Nuggets days where he was battling against Kobe and stuff was generally like some fun at like it showed how good he was. And then coming to the Knicks, one he not only did he give this team way more relevance than they ever should have had, he ran into the heat, bro. I'm sorry. I can't like blame him for losing to that big three when J.R. Smith was your second best player. Reggie Even, Miller's and, eight points in nine seconds, though. That that's one of the greatest moments ever. Yeah. And the way he impacted the game in Indiana, he was the number one team that went to the finals. I'm sure they got cleared, but I mean, that holds a lot of weight. Yeah, it's just the competition for Melo was a little bit steeper. So I understand. And so you understand where you would need to rank him next to those players. But all time, it's very hard to gauge. I guess, yeah, you have to compare him to his peers. So yeah, I guess, yeah, Reggie. How, how, are, we, how are we deciding the draft order? So usually when we do this, we'll have the three of us go back and forth up until 10 or 14. So um, that's what I was saying before. I think the top four, what, the top four is locked already. We know where each guy goes. It's just the questions after that. Because then you got guys like Boris Diaw, Barbosa, Josh Howard, Capone. Chris Kamen. Chris Kamen. Kyle Korver. Mo Williams. Mo Williams, another all-star. That's a good point. So David West. I think David West is the one that goes there. I think David West is the one that I thought you mentioned David West. Yeah, yeah, he's the fifth best player on this class. Yeah, and I think the next one is Josh Howard. I think Josh Howard goes sixth. Because Josh Howard like... is a 20-point-per-game scorer for a good couple years there. For that, yeah. for, for that Dallas team that made one for that Dallas team that made the finals and for that Dallas team that won 60-plus games a couple of times or 50, 67 games and then 50-plus games a couple of times. You can go either way, I feel, with him and Kamen, but I would lean Howard as well. Just because Kamen only had one season averaging over 16 a game. I'm telling you right now. 2010. Looking at that draft right now, if we we were so high on Chris Kamen and then that one, I think, I can't remember who was the the um the scout that saw DUA's workout, but thank you, God. <laughs> thank you. If I've had to watch Chris Kamen, for the, I would have never gotten to basketball. I generally probably wouldn't. That would have been tough, man. That would have been super yeah, tough. Yeah, so I think if they then Josh at that point, it's a toss-up. Do you do you take the Leonardo Barbosa who was who he was in the Western Conference, so he wasn't gonna be an all-star, but he was putting up all-star level numbers if he was in the East at some time with the Suns. Or Boris Diaw that just affect that was so he was so unique and he effective winning in so many different ways that you'd probably have him up there. Mo Williams was also another all-star, but then you have to, you have to think like, would he have been an all-star if he didn't have LeBron on his team? Like, no. Okay. Yeah. Look, fine. Yeah. We know. Those elite defenses were what got them. Into yeah. Operational. So it's just, uh, I, I would lean. Uh, what are we at? Seven. We're at the six pick, aren't we? No, wait, it was David West at number five. And so then Josh, we're, and then Josh we're looking Howard. at the Clippers. I thought we're at Josh Howard. At oh, six. you're right. Josh Howard at six for the Clippers, right? So we're at the Bulls number seven. They took Kirk Heinrich. Oh, then then Barbosa. If they're you gonna know, take, if they're gonna take, what Kirk, about then, Kyle Korver? We'll Kyle, get to him. Kyle, Kyle Korver's there, but I I think genuinely Boris 
Leonardo Barbosa, Chris Kamen, and Mo Williams have to go over him. You're hitting Simply a soft because spot. Because they had a way higher peak. You're hitting and, a soft spot for me. Because I think Barbosa's nickname, the Brazilian Blur, just gives him bonus points. But Boris Diaw was so underappreciated for how good he was as a, a secondary compliment. This Bulls team also just needs something to write home about. And none of these guys quite well, except for those two you mentioned, Diaw and Barbosa. I'll go with Barbosa with this one. Yeah. Get that guard. Who was the next one? Who was the next team? Eighth overall was the Milwaukee Bucks. They took TJ Ford, a, a player I thought would have panned out, but unfortunately. Oh, if they took TJ Ford, then, they, then I think Mo Williams would probably be the best choice in that yeah, spot. Point guard. Mm-hmm. They need that a point guard. That means Boris drops again. So. But then with uh, Andrew Bogut, it's not terrible. And it's not, not great either. So Mo Williams, number eight. Now we get the Knicks at number nine. They took Mike Sweetney. I think that's where Chris Kamen goes. I think that's the spot that he slides in. Sure about not Dio now? Like at the time, Dial has has way longer stretch of excellence. But I think peak when he the one the couple seasons or the one season where he's fully healthy, Chris Kamen was definitely has a higher peak than him. But overall longevity, yes, Dial. So it depends on what you want. Obviously, you're not gonna win with either of these guys being your number one. So who do you want as your tertiary? And I think I'd take Chris Kamen. I'm with you on that. He's gonna get points and rebounds, in New York. Now we got the 10th overall pick, the Washington Wizards. This is an exotic team, which is why I think the exotic pick here is for CL. Was this before they got um this was right when they um traded for Gilbert Arenas or was no, that was that was Gilbert's first couple of years, right? Because yeah, I remember Gilbert Arenas got there in 04. So this guy's yeah, so gonna this be is, meeting. This is, so this is the yeah okay so then yeah definitely then yeah Boris Diaw Boris Diaw and Gilbert Arenas would have been a nice duo duo. That would have been so much fun to watch. That's why I'm saying that's that's a sneaky underrated little dynamic duo right there in the pick and roll. It would have been so cool because I think MJ retired this offseason, right? If MJ stayed, yeah, no, he retired. We got to see he retired in '03. So he retired. Yeah, because Arenas right came LeBron, in after, right before. Yeah, LeBron it would have been so cool to see like a LeBron versus MJ matchup. It'd been so cool to see a LeBron, Kobe, and MJ all in the same All Star game. That would have been dope to saw, man. Uh, so number ten, who'd we go with? I think that's where Kyle Corbett slides in. We went with Diaw. Oh, number ten, yeah, Diaw. Diaw. Well, who was eleven? Who's the 11th? Oh, you're muted. Warriors. 11. 11 got the Warriors oh. with uh, Michael Petrus. Josh Howard? No, no, we already have Josh Howard. Petrus. We took Josh Howard. Yeah, at six. Yeah, number six. Oh, wow. Um, who's left? Kyle Corver. Kyle Corver. Oh, yeah. Petrus and Kendrick Perkins. Kyle Corver? Yes, sir. One this... of the best three point shooters of all time? Yeah. Top five. Number 12 gets Seattle. They took Nick Collison. For the we culture, he may here. still be the pick. We're taking KP here? I think for the culture, Nick Collison is the pick over uh, Kendrick. Nick Collison, he had a pretty long – he didn't produce crazy throughout his career, but he had a pretty long career where he was just very a very stable role player. So, yeah. Guys, jersey retired. I don't know how many of these other guys can say the same in this, yeah, this but category. Yeah, but just retired based off just legacy award. It wasn't because of production. Let's be real. Hey, but I mean, you can say the same thing to Udonis Haslam, couldn't you? Mm, I peak. I say Udonis performed. Uh, and again, Udonis was, but I, I, he was only like a real role player for like five or six years. Udonis? Yeah. 
when did he come into the league? What, 2005? Yeah, D-Wade's rookie year. He came in, oh yeah, he came in, okay. No, was it? I don't think he was D-Wade's rookie year. No. 2004 was his rookie right, year. Right, so, right, yeah. right, right, okay. So, he was in France in 03. Yeah, so um, I'm going to say, right now, Udon is from 04 to 2011. 10? Okay. I would say was his his most productive years and his peak in like the 06 to 08 I think was definitely higher than somebody like Nick Collison which is why that we're coming to Udonis Haslam to Nick Collison peaks <laughs> but um um yeah and plus Nick Collison had a 14-year career UD's pushing 20. Yeah he's also an assistant coach. Taken in this draft? Huh? No, he no, was no, undrafted. No, the no year but we're prior. just saying, like, um, where uh, right now the only players right now is um, KP Nicholson, like Luke Ridenour, and Kendrick what Perkins. Are we, are we at thirteen now? We're at thirteen. I oh, think Michael Petrus is not a bad option either in this 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 group. Yeah, I'm a, one of the uh, more notable picks. Um, Capono. Ooh, we haven't mentioned him yet, have we? That's another shooter, kind of like a a neutered Kyle Korver, maybe. Uh, wait, did we, we we pick Kyle already, right? Who? Did we already put pick Kyle already, right? Korver. Uh, Lowry or Kyle Korver? <laughs> we already picked Korver. Yeah. yeah, okay, 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 okay. Because I was There's also pick... James Jones in this class as well. He's James two Jones, picks. I'm not going to lie, throughout his career, the only reason he's remembered is because is because he was on those heat teams. I'm not gonna lie. They're, even the beginning of his career was not even that crazy. How about yeah. Jose Calderon, who was undrafted? Hmm. We forgot about him. He he was undrafted. That's good. I would have felt bad if we forgot him. I would have been. Never mind. If it's uh, no, no, I can't. Put, I was gonna say, the board. I, I was gonna say look at Kyle. I was say we maybe you have to look push Kyle down a little. But no, Kyle had way too long of a career. Yeah, Kyle is consi- he was an all-star one season as well and consistently one of the five best shooters in the sport. Came in at like 12 to 13 points. And in terms of floor raising, floor spacing, I mean, he's, he's perfect for any team. Ooh, okay. So then you're looking at 14. That's where guys like TJ Ford and Luke now are probably going to make their name. I think TJ Ford, if he had the injuries, he would be right here. But yeah. if we're taking into account the injury, it's it's pretty tough. Uh, then I'd have Kirk Hyder over him then, and then DJ Ford at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, who do we have going to a uh, memory? Um, the Knicks number nine. Number nine. Let me see. Um, Was it Chris Kamen? Yeah. Okay. And the Warriors, we went with. We're doing the whole first round, or just the no, lottery? Just, no, just the lottery. When's the lot- lottery ends at what? 15? 15. 14? Oh, yeah. That's the last 14? pick. So this is the last pick of the lot? Oh. No, we have to get to Seattle after Memphis. So are we taking Nick Collison? Time? Are we taking Nick Collison with the 12th pick for the Super Yeah. Sims? Okay, so now we got Memphis, number third. Oh, we also got K-Mon. We finalized that. We have Jose Calderon and Kirk Heinrich. We still haven't been taken. We took Jose, right? Uh-uh. No, not yet. They both have to go here. These uh, next two picks. If Those numbers in Toronto are a little way inflated. Let's be real. <laughs> Still, I mean, he was able to if produce. You a, but if just... you can get a starter, I mean, yeah, yeah, this late. 
it's just so crazy to see how deep drafts are now versus because uh, right now you can genuinely get I would say you can redraft any the past like four drafts and find comparable role players or starters within at least 20 of them yeah which is insane when you're struggling to find like 15 here or we're not struggling it's you still you have guys like um Jarvis Hayes Travis Outlaw Willie Green yeah Travis Outlaw uh, Keith Boygins Zaza Capono Matt Bonner for a couple years Kendrick Perkins like you have a lot of good players in here that just didn't get that just aren't like this draft if you watch Minnesota in the early 2010s, Luke Renauer is a starter for them. So, a lot of starting players. There's not relevant now because they weren't playing up, you know, 15 points a game the way Grayson Allen is today. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, this draft had about how many players? Yeah, this this draft had nearly 30 players that played over 10 years in the league. Yeah, that's true. I Corver's going 11 just to the Warriors, right? Because he's getting taken out to the top 10, and Corver is like. One of the most praised shooters of all time. Yeah. So this this class is relatively deep. And we have last two picks here. I think Jose Calderon in Memphis. I mean, he's by far the best player in my opinion. Yeah. Unless you want to go Heinrich. You can go either way at those two. I'm gonna go. I might actually, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jose. I might actually lean Heinrich, who was an all defensive player in 07. That's true. 17 60 game, 45% shooting. Still a pretty good shooter as well, by the way. So I'm gonna go Heinrich instead. I don't know if you guys would agree. Yeah, I, I I'll get yeah. And Jose Calderon be the last pick for Seattle at 14. Yeah. Between him and Travis Outlaw. Oh. Okay, so to recap our draft, we did it together a little bit different this episode. Number one, the Cavaliers taking LeBron James. Number two, the Detroit Pistons will take Dwayne Wade. Number three, the Denver Nuggets will take Chris Bosh. Number four. Toronto Raptors will take Carmelo Anthony. Number five, the Miami Heat will take, unfortunately, not the Dade County man himself. It will be David West. Number six, the Clippers will take Josh Howard. Number seven, the Bulls will take Leandro Barbosa. Number eight, the Bucks will take Mo Williams, pairing up with Andrew Bogut. Oh, Bogut wasn't drafted yet, but in a few years, maybe he will. Ninth overall, the Knicks will take Chris Kamen, playing up some points and rebounds. 2010, the Wizards will take... 2010, number 10, the Wizards will take... Um, Boris Diaw. Number 11, the Warriors will take Kyle Korver. Number 12, the Supersonics will take Nick Collison. Number 13, the Grizzlies will take Kirk Heinrich. And number 14, the Supersonics will take Jose Calderon. And my notes are the Wizards number 10. I put in David West a second time instead of Boris Diaw, and that threw me off. And by the way, before, when my light went off, is kind of dropped my pen, which wasn't working. It turned off the, uh, the power switch that is hooked up to my light right here. So that's... Uh... Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, now I look like um, I'm in the dark, which I was. I feel like we did a solid job. Uh, Kirk Heinrich should have been a top 11 pick. I, I think him going after Coulson's a little bit disrespectful, but I wanted yeah. to make sure Nick to be honest, I would. I, I, to Seattle. be honest, I was, yeah, see, still in Seattle. That's, but I didn't, I think, yeah, he generally should be over Nick Coulson. I didn't, I, I forgot the earlier parts in his career where he was genuinely a really, really like one of the better 3 and D players in the league. Yeah, really Not even solid, and D. But... He was generally just a really good point guard. He was a good, yeah, he's a good guard. I mean, I wasn't exactly something to write home about, but he was pretty good. Um, and Barbosa went number seven. So I mean, we were a little bit disrespectful. Just, those two are in some. He just came into league. He just finished college, so he came in kind of older than everybody else. And then by the time he was twenty-seven, he was already on the downward trend. 
Yeah, he was a 23-year-old rookie. Yeah, and then by 20, and then he had his best year when he was 26, and then he just dropped off slowly uh, by the time he was 27. Still think we did a decent job. Now, this is our last topic of the show. Some people get mad at us for putting Chris Bosh over Melo. No, I think we're fine. I would take Chris Bosh over him. I think many people would agree because Bosh is better. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, we're now on to check it up. My check it up topic was going to be NFL related. And then breaking news broke. I want to get a little bit of NFL reactions in here. Deshaun Watson... Oh, John, I just want to say right before, because I think I saw this and it relates to your thing. So I believe when Deshaun Watson comes back, he plays the Houston Texans. Week 13 after his bye. Yeah. So go ahead. Deshaun Watson has been given a new suspension by the NFL. And it's been a settlement where he will be suspended at 11 games and five, five million dollars. This is not enough. Look. Um, you know, I, don't I'm not think I don't think he'll ever be enough if he still has a job in the NFL. I don't think anybody will feel good. Well, I won't say anybody. Some people just turn a blind eye to stuff like this. But, like, I think m- the masses won't feel good if he still has a job in the NFL. Like, genuine, like right now we see, like, how hard people are pushing for Miles Bridges not even play another game in the NBA for what he did. Like, he had his qualifying offer removed. No teams. He's one of the better I young players. I thought the Hornets kept it. Mm-mm. They they relinquished it. They didn't. Yeah. Really? So he, he's literally just free to do whatever he wants. And I see, like, he's one of the best young players in the league. People just don't want to pick him up because what he did was deplorable. So for. Who are you talking about? Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. Oh, my. Okay. So for, for um, the show. Wasn't it like twenty? Isn't it like twenty different women that came forward, or twenty like plus? Twenty-five, twenty-six. I exactly. Think. As, even if you want to lean towards like, oh my god, some of them just came up because you know clout or whatever. Like, if it's twenty-five people, bro. Allegedly twenty-four. Yeah. If it's twenty-four, somebody's telling the truth. Somebody's telling the truth. And to be honest, with a lot of the evidence they have, it sounds like a majority of them are telling the, uh, the full truth. So it's like genuine. When you're that. You're at this point. You're a ser- you're a serial like sexual um, sexual assault. Yeah. My issue is if if he were not guilty, then how come when he reached an agreement with the team, they were saying you can't go to a masseuse outside of our organization? But it's like if, if he's innocent, then this shouldn't matter, right? Uh, you know, not he only really. reached out to sixty six women uh, for massages, which over two years is allegedly insane i would think you would trust one or two people with your body and once you find the right person you would stick to them so look you can say that people had the idea that the houston texans are trying to tank his trade value after he requested a trade to get back at him which makes remotely no sense if you're just gonna look at this from a straightforward perspective if anything it would have been better to just to trade him and then tank his value then yeah like there's no point in like hurting your team with this too yeah i i it's not like I'm a Steeler fan saying this. If you were traded to the, the Panthers, I would have felt the same way. 11 games, I felt like you should have been suspended indefinitely and for the entire season. And quite frankly, this this isn't enough for a player that I don't know how he's getting paid the most guaranteed money in the NFL after after this, but it is the Cleveland Browns organization. Wait, he is? I thought, it was, I thought Patrick Mahomes was getting the most. The most guaranteed oh, money. Oh, guaranteed money. Okay. Yeah, this is. I, well, I think I, I Mahomes forgot, got the biggest deal. I forgot the NFL is weird. Those guaranteed deals. Normally, the NBA literally like ninety percent of your contract is guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's not really much more for me to say. I mean, I think 11 games is ridiculous. As no one's going to like it no matter what. And I'm not trying to sound like the internet's going to go crazy. I'm not trying to sound like another one of those people. But at least a season. But I felt like a season would have been warranted because this guy, he did not, you know, he was not suspended last year. He chose not to play last year. And the weird thing about it is he pretended to be mad at Houston so he can get out of there. And I get that because Bill O'Brien basically ruined the team out of spite against DeAndre Hopkins, his number one weapon. But then all of this comes out right after. And I feel like after sitting out last season, he shouldn't play this season. I mean, it's Houston ridiculous. Houston was doing the right thing as a business and being completely transparent with everything that was going on. And I, he didn't like that because complete transparency made him look really, really bad. So I understand why he's angry and didn't want, I want him to leave. But it's, I'm like, bro, you're a serial. You're a serial. Come on, bro. At this point, like, you, this is a business. They can't tank their own their entire business just because you feel like you're being unfairly judged, which is a wild thing to feel right now. So at this point, a full season, but I don't really expect much else from the NFL when it comes to stuff like this. It's mm-hmm. always been like a slap on the wrist a lot. They have a lot, like genuinely a lot of their legends have had. I think the only one that's clean when it comes to stuff like this, like no, I'm going to see the only one, but like is like Brady. I mean, he has the deflate gate, stuff like that. But like genuinely when it comes to like sexual assault and stuff like that, like Ben Roethlisberger has one. Um, Peyton Manning has one. Um, there's genuine like a lot of the legends do genuinely have this problem. It's been a problem with this domestic violence or sexual assault. It's always been a problem, and it's just it's hard watching them just constantly give him a slap on the wrist every time this happens. But Calvin Ridley gets a full season. For Hell, Ray Rice in the game. Ray Rice, even though I mean his wife came out publicly and says she forgave him and that they're still together. So I understand that, but even he like. I understand, like, it was since it was on camera and you saw him, like, knock her out and then pull, like, I understand why that when you see it, you have to watch it happen, why it's a bigger suspension. But, Jenny, when you hear this stuff, you hear 24 different women, like, that, sh- that should ring alarm bells in your head. And you're just like, yeah, nah, he needs to be gone. And if Ray Rice wanted to come back to the NFL, he could have, but he wasn't good anymore. The year before, he averaged 3.1 yards a carry. And that's why he never came back to the NFL. Yeah. He wasn't good. He was washed up. And that happens to many running backs. Yeah, Deshaun Washington is just very ta- is just talented. So and he helps definitely... make money. So yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't know how a, a Brown fan, maybe female, feels about this. Watching him be the franchise leader and quarterback, I, it's ridiculous. Right. Do you guys have anything before we kick off? Wrap this uh, up. I got something. So this weekend is a huge week for um for fight fans. Um, kick uh, uh, all. This is all happening on Saturday, so throughout the entire day, it's going to be stacked with fights. So first, first up on the docket is PFL in London. Um, Kayla Harrison, fourteen and zero, two-time Olympic gold uh, gold medalist in judo. Uh, I think she's a two-time PFL uh, champion because PFL is weird. It's different. They do by season. If you guys do follow MMA, it's, it's by season. They do a, a different thing. So um, she's fighting uh, Martina Dindrova. Uh, in PFL, there's not really any competition for Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison has is, is, uh, quickly become one of the um, biggest uh, female MMA stars uh, in the world. The only two fights out there for her are Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. Chris Cyborg? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's an Cyborg. insane and, name. 
<laughs> yeah, um, those two, those two, um, th those fights need to start materializing and happening. Uh, I believe uh, Amanda Nunez one is probably farther down the line. If it, it might never happen because she's in the UFC and the UFC will never do a cross promotion event and they'd have to wait for Kayla to become another free agent. And it, it's just weird. Cause I think in PFL's contracts, they have a chance to match. So UFC is not going to pay her this abundance amount of money where PFL is like, no, we're not going to match it. Um, so I think the best chance for one of those fights happening is a cross promotion event with Bellator and doing Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison. It would be a really big deal. You'd get this cross promotion fight of two of the uh, top three uh, MMA promotions in the world. Uh, having their two best women's champions go at it would be a big deal. Um, I see uh, Kayla Harrison winning this fight. The, the, I mean, she should honestly dominate this fight. Uh, next up, kind of happening at a similar time in the boxing world. I'm not the biggest boxing fan, but when some big fights happen, I'll, I'll tune in and watch. This one I, I might have on in the background, not really. It's just it's uh, Alexander Yusik uh, versus Anthony Joshua. Uh, and this fight's happening in Saudi Arabia. Um Anthony Joshua has not lived up to the potential that we all thought he was going to be. Uh, he, he lost to Andy Ruiz, got that one back. They never did a trilogy. Um, then he fought, um, then he won a f another fight, I believe, against a, a, some can. And then he fought uh, uh, Alexander Usyk and lost a decision fight, lost a decision. And we all thought he was leading to a Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua fight, one of the biggest uh, heavyweight fights in the world. But it never materialized. Anthony Joshua couldn't get over the hump. And now Tyson Fury is quote unquote retired and we're probably never going to see that fight. Um, and after that, we've got a, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this promotion, but BKFC bare knuckle fighting championship. Yeah. Um, this is ruthless. Uh, the main event is the, really the thing to talk about. This is also happening in London. Uh, it's uh, Michael Venom page MVP versus uh, Mike Perry. Uh, MVP is uh, a Bellator fighter, but he's Bellator is letting him do this one-off fight in BKFC to fight Perry. Perry's a former uh, UFC fighter. He's had one fight in BKFC. He's 1-0. Uh, MVP is the better striker, the tech, better technician, but he's really not allowed to use anything but his hands, and that kind of might create a problem for him, but I still seeing him being able to get the job done. Um, he could he could finish Mike Perry. Mike Perry's a tough ass, tough ass guy. He could finish him if he catches him on the button. Um, the the method of victory for Mike Perry to win is he's really got to smother MVP, uh, make it a grinding fight, um, hang on him and and bring it into the later rounds and hopefully he can tire MVP out and and catch him while he's uh, doing a little dirty boxing. But I, I think that that's a uh, an unlikely. Uh, uh, route to victory. I see MVP being able to get the job done. And at the end of the night, we got the big pay-per-view, UFC. Um, I'll start off with the um, third fight of the main card, actually, and then work my way to the main event. We've got uh, Jose Aldo, the number three bantamweight in the world, versus Marab Va uh, Valashvili. Hard, hard last name to say. He's from Georgia. Uh, he's the number six bantamweight in the world. Um, for me, I see this fight playing out, um, 
I could see either one winning, but what I see is um, Marab really spamming the takedowns, smothering, getting pressure. His conditioning is off the charts. He brings intensity. He's relentless. His wrestling is going to, I think, tire Aldo out, even though Aldo in a three-round fight is extremely dangerous. I just think that Marab is going to chain together those takedowns, and he's really um, – Aldo's going to probably have a tough time with the relentlessness of a Marab who's just going to, like I said, I mean spam those takedowns like in a UFC video game. He's just going to spam them over and over and over again. Um, the keys to victory for both those guys, for Aldo, he's got to get going fast. He's got to kick the legs early. He's got some of the best leg kicks in the, uh, in the game. He's got to keep the fight standing, and he's got to keep his back off the cage. Uh, Marab, his keys to victory is pressure relentlessness, wrestling, smother, and uses conditioning to get that fight to a, a grueling decision win. Um, the, the, the odds are uh, Aldo's a plus with, uh, 115 uh, underdog and a, uh, Marab's a minus 135 favorite. Those odds might change, obviously, because I looked at this uh, last night. For me, I would probably go Marab. Uh, you can uh, probably parlay him together and, and get, uh, get a nice uh, – a bonus there. Um, in the co-main event, we got uh, the return uh, Paulo Costa, who's uh, he's somewhere in the top five rankings of the middleweight uh, division. I think he's like three or four. Uh, he's thirteen and two. He's coming off two uh, two fight losing streak after being three and zero. He lost to uh, Israel Adesanya, the champion, and uh, Marvin Vittori, which uh, Costa actually missed weight twice so they fight at 185 he said he couldn't make 185 they moved it to 195 then he said he couldn't make 195 so they had to move it to 205 and all props to marvin Fatori for continuing and accepting those conditions now costa did have to um uh forfeit 20 percent of his purse to uh marvin Vittori, but listen marvin De Vittori deserves that for having to deal with all that bs leading up to the fight changing the weight twice on short notice, um, he's taken on a returning Luke Rock. Wait, is that is that wait isn't, is that legal to do? Like I what? thought, I thought the weight class was very strict, like extremely strict. They they are, but like it was before the it was like a week before the event. So Costa was like telling the UFC, I can't make the weight. So they 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 asked uh, Marvin, and it was up to Marvin basically. Marvin can say no, I'm not taking the fight. The fight's off. Or he could you say, can't do right. that. You can't do that though. Come on, if he said no, if he said no, you know what the backlash is gonna be like. No, he they they they'll do they don't like to do it, but it's they're they're allowed that right to say, you know what? No, listen, we both signed a contract for 185. I can make the weight, you can't make the weight, I'm not fighting you because you're trying to get an advantage over me. He accepted the conditions to go to 195, then Costa said, Oh, I can't make 195. So then they had to move it to light heavyweight at 205. That's okay, nah, that's insane. That's insane, I know. But all props to Marvin for saying, you know what? You're trying to get out of this fight, get advantages. I'm going to take the fight. And he's, and Marvin Vittori still was able to get the job done. So now he's taken – Paulo Costa's taken on Luke Rockhold. Um, he's coming back after – he hasn't fought since 2019. Uh, and that was at 205. He's a former middleweight champion, but he was middleweight champion back in 2015. Since he won the title, his record is 1-3. Um He's only had four fights since 2016. 
All three of those uh, losses since that uh, the championship win have been by knockout. Uh, he hasn't fought at 185 since 2018. He's 37 now. He's going to turn 38 in October. <clears throat> I mean, he he has a, a way to win the fight. I just don't know. I think the chin isn't there. All by the way, all five of his he's 16 and five. All five of his losses are by uh, TKO or KO. So the chin is always touchable, and it, it will go out if you hit it on the button. For me, Luke Rockhold, he said he's got his head back in the game. He's sober, I think he said, seven months now. So uh, congratulations to him. He said he's uh, well, sober off alcohol. He still does uh, marijuana, and he's a mushroom guy, too. He likes to be enlightened, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, go check out his, uh, his pre-fight uh, interview. Uh, interview. Yesterday, he was going off on the UFC and uh, one of the Barstool sports guys. Um, yeah, I'm uh, but Luke Rockhold, <laughs> Luke Rockhold, I just don't know if it's there anymore. If, if he comes in with the right mentality, he's got a way to win. And his keys to victory for me for Luke Rockhold is get the fight to the ground. You're a better grapple and wrestler. Um, get on top. And if it's standing, attack the body with your legs, attack the legs. Because trying to stand in the phone booth with Paulo Costa is going to be very dangerous. Um, for Costa, Costa's uh, keys to victory are keep the fight standing, pressure him, volume, smother, and use your speed. If you ask me who's going to win this fight, I would say bet Paulo Costa by way of TKO or KO. I, I just think that he's going to be able to put that pressure on him. He's going to smother him. He's going to use his speed. And I think he's going to be able to get the job done. I, I don't see this really going. I could see it going in the second round, but I highly doubt it would go far into the second round. Now, in the main event, we've got the uh, undisputed uh, reigning defending welterweight champion of the world, uh, Kamaru Usman. He's taken on uh, Leon Rocky Edwards. This is a rematch. Their first fight was back in 2017. Um, Usman is looking to tie Anderson Silva's record with most consecutive wins in the UFC with 16, if he get, uh, get the job done here. Um, Leon has not lost since that Usman fight back in, um, oh wait, did I write that wrong? Sorry, the, the, their first fight was back in 2015, so Leon has not lost since then. He's on a nine-fight win streak. One of those was a no contest. It was an eye poke, and the fight uh, ended. Um, for me, uh, their first fight was really a strictly a wrestler versus striker. Leon was the better striker. He really had no grappling or wrestling background, didn't know what he was doing. And Usman was a strict wrestler. Striking was not very good, not good at all. Uh, Usman was able to eke out a decision victory, basically wrestling him and uh, getting a decision win. Now, both have improved in their, in their weaknesses. Usman... Um, Usman has become a better striker. He moved, he, uh, uh, went to Trevor Whitman, who's a coach with, uh, Justin Gaethje and Rose Namajunas, and he's, uh, considered a striking genius, a striking wizard. He was able to get Usman now has a very nice jab. His striking is still elementary and still sloppy, but he's got the jab, which is a basic fundamental punch and it, it, a jab can win you a fight. 
Um, go back and watch his Gilbert Burns fight. That jab won him that fight, basically. Um, Leon has improved on his wrestling and his grappling. We'll see how it fares again in this fight. It, if you ask me, I think Usman's going to win this fight. I think it's going to be a, a very similar fight to his uh, when he won the world championship against Tyron Woodley. Um, but a little bit closer. I don't think it's going to be as dominant. I think it'll be a little bit closer, but it's going to be Usman pushing him up against the fence, grinding on him, taking him down, um, landing big shots, keeping him just up against the cage and not creating space or making this a striking fight because Usman's got to stay away from that. He can't make this a striking affair. Um, it, for me, it, it's just... And one thing that people forget with this, with Usman, it's not about the initial takedown attempt. It's the second, it's the third, it's the fourth, it's the fifth. His, his chaining it together. That gets tiring. That gets annoying as hell. When you're defending the first one, you're like, ah, I got you. You're not taking, oh, here comes the second attempt. Ah, I got you. Here comes the third. Now you're on your ass. You get up after five or 10 seconds. Guess what? You're getting taken back down again. That is tiring and that gets really annoying and it starts attacking your mentality and being like, wow, I'm feeling defeated right now. I just, I, I see that happening in this fight. Now I will say Usman is 100% overlooking Leon Edwards. He can say what he wants that he's not. I do think he's taking him seriously. And I know it sounds like a contradiction. He's taking him seriously, but he's also overlooking him. He's, he's before this fight, he's talked about moving up to 205 and challenging for the light heavyweight championship and going for double champ status. He's talking about Hamza Chemaev, the new, the new kid on the block at welterweight. He's talking about boxing Canelo Alvarez, which is insanely crazy. Leon is this hungry lion who's coming up and wants this so bad. That could play a factor, but I also just think Usman is, is super disciplined and he's going to be able to lock in and get this victory over over um over Leon Edwards. The keys to victory for this fight, Usman, wrestle, control against the cage, don't get into a striking fight, and mix it up uh, smoothly. Leon Edwards, keep your back foot away from the cage. Fight your fight, trust your skills, and keep the fight standing. Because if you start getting taken down, that energy and that gas tank's going to go down. You're going to start feeling demoralized. And Usman's just going to take over and dominate. If you're going to ask me what I would bet on this fight, I wouldn't go as straight because uh, Usman's a minus 400. And I would say Usman's going to win. So I would probably profit and pick Usman as the uh, Usman to win by a uh, decision. Um, but that is the fights for Saturday. I'm super excited as a fight fan. I can't wait. And I will recap those fights with you on Sunday. I've been trying to get into UFC like little by little, and then I never do. So I, I <laughs> it's 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 listen. I, I I had a little spiel about it a couple of weeks ago on the show. It, it's for me, it's my favorite sport now. I, I always talk about the butterflies I get when a big main event fight is happening, and you're just anticipating, and it's just these two warriors getting locked inside a cage in front of millions of people in their underwear to fight. It, it's 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 insane! It's insane! It, it, I love this sport so much. It, it's and they it's the don't fastest be a, rising sport in the world. It's one of the fastest rising sports, but I, I, I'm over with this and like this shit is horrible. This shit, this shit is 
a bloodbath, bro. Like, it is. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's highly debatable if it should be a sport or not. Because, like, genuinely, <laughs> you're paying these guys to destroy each other. Yep. Like, it's genuinely no, it's, insane. It is. It's insane. You got to have a couple screws loose to be a fighter. Not even a couple. Really? You got a lot. A lot, yep. No, this, I always love the pictures. A lot of, of uh, Lily, every, people that seen, like, the big UFC like big the big UFC like comps when you hear them talk they literally like I'm ready to die in the ring I don't care I'm just like yep. Dude, that's insane yep art of war <laughs> John is speechless John is speechless <laughs> I always love the pictures on uh, Twitter and stuff where I say there's a picture of a guy get or a woman uh, with her face completely mauled up and, and it just says so you want to be a fighter no, you don't. <laughs> As Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. but Mike, Mike Tyson also got a multiple personality disorder, bro. Like, there's any the regular Mike Tyson that's just very kind-hearted and a very sweet person. Like, he talked about how he cried before every single fight. Like, and then the moment, he, like, his trainer turns like, let's go, he just switches into that killer. That the moment he gets in the ring, the only, the only thing he cares about is making sure you don't get back up. Yep. That's it. It's amazing. Romain, do you have anything? Uh, no, not. Oh, um, this is your opportunity to promote all of your socials and what have you. Oh, um, one you, thing I got to say right now is Tyler Hero isn't getting traded this offseason. I don't see it happening. We didn't get to and, that. We're so much on freaking Clay Thompson that's supposed to be part uh, of that. I was say, one, he's not getting traded this offseason. I don't see it happening. There's not enough. There's not. One, he's the, our biggest asset. And there's right now we can't use him to get our biggest two targets, which is Donovan Mitchell, Katie. There's no reason to move him other than if it's for one of those two. So he just one, doesn't fit your defense though at all. But that's the thing though is that he's only 22, and the thing he's like, he's not gonna grow longer arms. No, instinct. No, instinct. No, no, no. He he got stronger. He can get even stronger. He got stronger. That's why he's his finishing got as good as it did this year. Okay. That was the whole. That was the hole in his. Overall, his jumper, mid-range jumper and three-point shot really didn't take that big of a drop or a leap. It's just he got more attempts, and his finishing at the rim got a lot better, which is why you saw the scoring jump. So he got stronger in that way. And overall, his defensive impact this year was better than the year before because he got stronger. It's just he's – I remember that year where Alec Burks, they had those – had they had um, the report that he won, not only added six inches to his vertical – but like his lane agility went down by about half a close to a second and um his overall i think full court sprint um got dropped by second. like he got a lot more athletic and i think that's somewhere and you see alec burke alec burke is the most athletic person in the world but like tyler hero can take that type of athletic leap and not i'm not saying he needs to be elite knowing one you there's nobody on this team that you'd want to stick Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum one-on-one for a full game other than Jimmy or Bam, obviously. There's very few defenders in the NBA you'd want to stick them one-on-one the entire game. So obviously Tyler's going to still be the guy you hunt out. But I want to be in a role like that Steph space where even if you hunt him out, there's going to be positions you're not going to get the better of him because he's still at least a neutral to good defender. And I think he can get there at least. Like he can get faster feet. He can't get longer arms. He can get faster feet. That's not coming. And he, he, huh? The the T-Rex arms aren't changing. He's not even T-Rex. It's just his arms are the same size as his height. He's normal. It's just the NBA has a bunch of freaking demigods. Um, But um, he's just, 
he can get faster feet and he already has the good defensive instincts. He just doesn't have the body and the athleticism to respond, but you can tell he has good defensive instincts. Like he's a very high IQ player. I'll give him that. So he overall, I think he can become a better defender and he's going to be starting this year. I don't care what anybody says. He's definitely just starting. So he's probably going to have an even bigger role on offense or maybe the same role because you're going to have to share shots with Jimmy now. But Jimmy is willing to just take a step back in the regular season. So I don't yeah. think that would be a problem for him. So offensively, he's either going to get better or stay the same. And defensively, I do expect him to get better. So his trade value probably is going to be higher next year, which is a good thing. And I know we're trying to win now with Jimmy, but right now trading him is not going to be the best option. Mm -hmm. It um, it's just doesn't make sense if it's not for KD or Donovan Mitchell. And um, other than that, no. Nah, um, uh, FLB on YouTube. Um, right now, I think if you tap in my, I think mine is the first, I think there's, uh, I think there's a rapper and then my channel. So the red logo, the red logo with 3000, so that's me. Um, I make basketball con NBA content all over. Um, I've been, I was going hard last, this month is a little bit lower cause I've been working on some bigger projects. I've been uploading maybe like twice a week, but before I was uploading like five times a week and I'm trying to get back to that for September and during the season. So if you like basketball, you want to keep, you know, up to date with the season, subscribe me over there. Uh, Twitter, I'm as active as I am on YouTube on there, and that's FLB underscore nine. So you, you can go um, follow that too. But yeah, that's really it. Um, right now, if you're Miami, you can have a D Wade video that should, what's today, Thursday? Thursday. Uh, yeah. If I work on it today, it uh, should be out by Saturday. Should be out by Saturday. Um, I have a LeBron one that should be out by um, two, Sunday or Monday of next week, too. And those are probably the two biggest projects. Both of them are over 15 minutes. So mm -hmm. highly, highly produced too. So if you ever want to check that out, you know, there's that. Um, we throw up the graphics, so they'll see it all. Mm -hmm. Overall, um, there's not really much else. I don't, I haven't started or consistently started. I only have one episode out and that was like eight months ago. So don't really have a podcast or a second channel. So it was mostly just basketball. So that's really it. Thank you again for coming on. We intended no for this to be an hour and a half, and we're going to get into Tyler Hero, but we got into a crazy Clay Thompson discussion. Hey, man, uh, I'm always down to talk basketball. Any other time you want me on, just let me know, bro. And you uh, you did enlighten me. I, I've been a little bit disrespectful to Russ, and I didn't even take into account some of the stuff you were talking about. So, I mean, I'm super glad we had you on. Be sure to follow him on YouTube. It's some of the best content out there by far. I mean, I've seen a lot of great content creators, and you are on the rise I honestly you, do think you. in the next six months you will pass up that rapper in the search engine. So oh no, not even six months. Result. Not the next like two months. Like five K subs is it. probably all I needed to not to probably pop up more than him. I think you got it. I think it's all about the continuity and you getting there. So thank you guys again for staying. This was episode eighteen of the Wise Guys Podcast. Be sure to follow Remain and us on Twitter. And as always, we'll see you next time.